This week on Invasion of the Podcast, The Walking Dead rests its bones. Is it a Mysterio about how we feel about Spider-Man Far From Home? And I see how many stars Paul gets when we play a game of bad, good movie reviews. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am Paul, and on my left is Steve. Hello, everyone. And I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, prolonged uh, like one-week break between King Solomon's Minds and this. I did. I hope that you guys got time to just dig in to King Solomon's Minds and watch it over and over again and prove Steve wrong about that movie being <laughs> somewhat fun uh, and somewhat watchable. Uh it was a weird thing to end on for like a minute, but it's just the way the stars aligned. It was just we needed a week off, but we're glad we're back. Uh, we, you know, it's always fun to get back to talking about other things, uh, like other other than canon. Canon's been great. Don't get me that. That sounds like oh, canon. No, it's just changing gear. Sometimes it's nice to get doing something else. Yeah. So yeah, uh, next week more canon. No, just yeah, kidding. next week a lot of canon. No, uh, so this week we're going to be talking about Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, spoiler heavy. We'll we'll announce the spoilers when we get there, so that way if people have not seen it yet. We're not going to ruin it for you. Uh, it's just we're in a unique position to be able to talk about a film that has come out the day before we record. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't remember the last time I saw a movie opening on a Tuesday. Yeah, like, I mean, just, I, just the holiday weekend, right? Yeah. So, And this was supposed to come out on the 4th, but they're like, we're just going to move it back to the 2nd. I'm like, thanks, Marvel, because I just, yes, I would rather do that. So, And what was nice is is that I'd completely forgotten that uh, with the Regal Club card, on Tuesdays it's half off popcorn. So oh, well, there you I go. Even, even, there. even better, right? So I mean, I could have not gotten popcorn and saved money that way, but who wants to do that? <laughs> yeah, right? So, perfect. Um, but yeah, we'll be talking about some Spider-Man. That's surprising nobody. <laughs> but it was just good timing, and it's something that we both wanted to see, and I'm sure everybody has some... Uh, everyone, everyone should be excited to see this film, and we're going to have our thoughts about it here in just uh, a few, maybe 25, 30, 45 minutes. I don't know. We'll get there when we get there so uh normally this is when we talk about our weekend however our weekends overlapped heavily our weekends collided if you will. collided yes we, yes uh steve was uh, at dark x fest and i just happened to be there and i wrecked shit that's not what happened at all I was, <laughs> that implies that i did something great or something terrible and i feel like i just fell right in the middle of all that but yeah oh, you were there you did great i tried i i i always have too much confidence in my ability to sell anything uh, I don't know, like maybe because I'm like, oh, I worked in retail, I can do this, and then, then the moment you get face to face people, I'm like, I don't want to pressure anybody. Like, I don't, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try to, uh, you know, be as, uh, you know, non pushy as possible when talking about the book, because um, it's weird. You never know what catches somebody's eye. You know, that's why I. I diversified you know for the longest time it was just we used to do like you know uh, prints and comics and that was it and then i was like you know i i really could use more things on the table to try and get people's attention so i started doing pins and stickers 
and selling original pieces of art and doing sketch cards. And so when somebody walks over the table, you never know what they're really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hope that maybe if they're like, ah, this is an interesting, you know, little drawing of, you know, a, a ghoul from, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> that my favorite horror <laughs> film that you've done personalized artwork from is the ghoul from whatever. <laughs> but, uh, uh, when once they are there, you're hoping that maybe they'll also look at the comic or be interested. So. Yeah, because the, the the goal of this is for them to be engaged by something like the science, silent salesman type of thing, right? Of like, oh, that looks cool, and then you come over and talk to somebody as opposed to you trying to make direct eye contact with every single person that walks by, being like, you looked at me, now you got to buy something. Yeah. I hate that kind of pressure situation, but no, it was fun. Uh, you know, the, the hotel was having some, uh, maintenance issues that day. So that was a challenge. There was not a lot of, uh, air conditioning the first half of the day. Yes. So it became a uh, swamp X fest. Is what, uh, <laughs> so that was a challenge. There's a lot of sweating going oh, on. Oh man. It just, you know, and this kind of saps you. Right. So, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there was, there was a fair amount of interaction and you know, you move some merchandise, which is always a good thing. Yeah. That's the whole point of being there. You know, like, uh, it's interesting that you say though. A when you said uh, move some merchandise, it made me think like you know uh, I was some sort of you know dealing out of the back of a truck. He moved <laughs> some merchandise. You guys uh, want some underground slashers? <laughs> but uh, the other thing is, is that uh, when we were there last year in November, um, I walked into the bathroom. Uh, no, I was in the bathroom and like immediately somebody like ran in and started vomiting awfully. <laughs> um, and then this year I walked into the bathroom and it was like flooded and like a toilet had been ripped off the wall or yeah, something. I, I walked don't know in, what had happened. And I'm like, cause one of the sets of restrooms, the, the, the men's side was like, you know, was, you know, indisposed or whatever and then i went to the other one that was out in the lobby and there's a maintenance guy just ripping like pipes out and stuff but there was no <laughs> sign to say not come in yeah and i'm like well i'm just going to go to the back to the st- like you know the actual stalls do what i gotta do and then get out of here but it's just like i don't it, it, for for a convention that's kind of horror themed there were some scary things going on in that hotel it's like, just both times that i've done the convention now i've had some sort of weird you know occurrence happen in the restroom so um, I'll be probably be back in November, so we'll let you know what the third, let's, yeah, odd bathroom uh, story is going to be. Yeah, so that was uh, some some odd bathroom adventures. That's not something you want to hear about a weekend getaway. Not uh, like, on a weekend uh, of horrors. No, no, no. I know uh, no, it was fun though. Um, I do want to bring up the one. So we were like just talking to people like trying to engage and there was one one young lady that came over and was like oh this would be so cool if i hadn't already bought something for my one friend already it's like thank you for telling this roundabout story about why you're not buying the thing but that you really want it if only you had money yeah that that really makes steve feel like an accomplished creator (laughs) and that you're 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 giving us your your giving him his due like oh i would totally buy this fit and already spend money on somebody else's stuff well i i i I try to be humble and just say thank you and you know i i've been there myself we're we hell i could have spent i could have spent a lot more money there like just walking around if if i had it um 
But if you hadn't already bought your one friend something else before, (laughs) (laughs) I I understood the intent. But yeah, it's always a thing. I don't think they meant it with any ill will. No, I don't think she did at all. But it's just just like think about what you say before you say it because it's like, well, that's that's not even a backhanded compliment. That's just backhanded. Like just like I would totally buy this if I hadn't already spent all my money. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No. I, I again. I try to be. You know thankful and grateful like i i hope that whenever somebody comes up to the table they have a decent pleasure pleasurable experience talking to me um but i i really you know all i can really say in those instances is thank you because there are a lot of people who walk up and they're like oh this is really great i love this artwork um you know and then i'll be like oh well if you have any questions or you're interested in buying please let me know and, and they're you know, like i have prices gone they're yeah. just <laughs> you see candy wrappers <laughs> and a small tornado like they're like oh what happened you so because i've been on the opposite side because i try to price everything and make big stickers and and make it clearly yeah you know available to you to see how much things are because i've been in that awkward position where i've seen something at a table and I've inquired about what it is, and it, it's just a thing of you know they don't have a tag on it, and then they tell me the price, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. that's way out. I was of my I range. was interested until you told me it's quadruple what was in my head. Yeah. Well, no, no, like for instance, um, I, you know, I bought a piece of art from um an artist, uh, Josh Meters, Josh Meters, who's actually passed away now, um, but uh, I met him at a convention years ago, and uh, I was looking through his portfolio and. Uh, um, for whatever reason, we were talking about whatever, and I was like, well, how, how much is this piece? And he's like, well, it, he gave me the price. I don't know why I'm getting so stuck up on it, but he gave me the price. I was like, ah, I don't have that much. And, uh, you know, I'm like, do you have anything? And I gave him a price range. Like, yeah. that's, you know, and he he worked with me, basically, is what I'm saying. Most people will do that if you... Well, that's fair. I think you present it to them, like, hey, I'm you still showing interest. It's yeah. like, provide me something, and we can still figure this out, as opposed to you cutting yourself off at the knees just to sell something for cheaper. Just, yeah. you know, yeah, I get it. But there's a lot of people, too, that are, you know, it's and it's always nice to get compliments. Don't get me wrong. It's much better than hearing, you suck as people walk away. But <laughs> <laughs> how often does that happen? <laughs> it's never happened. I, so I, I decided, the last, so like, I talked about this with the last convention you're at because i steve's like i'm doing this i'm like i'm just showing up to help like and he's like no we're good paul i'm like no i'm here right now like i'm always <laughs> like well you we don't like i'm sitting behind your table uh so last time i tried giving away free stuff that just didn't work out so i'm like you know steve's told me in the past that candy didn't work out so well but i'm like it's this is a horror thing it's like halfway to halloween maybe candy will be a thing so i bring this overstuffed jack-o'-lantern full of of candy and you know some people take some but there was one point literally like you you were talking to somebody and, and and my wife, my wife Mary was there as well, helping out a little bit. And this lady walked by, picked up like a like a fun size Snickers, and just kind of did this whole like hmm, like smile and walked away <laughs> without even like doing anything with the table. Yeah. And Mary saw me just give her this look of like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like I, I was doing it as to to get Mary's reaction. Like if that way, lady would have looked at me, I would have been the worst person ever. But I'm like, really, you're just going to be like, oh, thanks, and just walk away. It's like, no, no, candies for people that actually want to peruse the table. It is free. For your time, like that, I think that I, you know, because that's the same transaction with trick or treating. Like, you don't get candy unless you spend a minute with somebody, like, and engaging, right? Unless yeah. that person's lazy, where they have a bowl out front that's like, take what you want, be you know, be honest, or or whatever that line is from Clerks, the the sign where it's like, <laughs> um, oh God, now I can't remember. Uh, it's like don't don't shoplift, like you know, be honest or whatever it was with like basically make change for yourself. Yeah, 
Yeah. So anyway, I shot this lady this look of death. She didn't see me, but I'm just like, don't you take my fun size Snickers without talking to us, you know? <laughs> but no, I, I, I like the convention stuff. The only thing, the only thing it's, it's a problem for me is that I come in like guns blazing and then I, I start to like plateau out about halfway through and it's like, you know, people might be coming by for the first time and I'm just sitting behind the, your table, like a fat sack of shit. And I'm just like, Oh, what's going on? Oh, knees. Gotta get my knees working again. Oh, you're gone. Okay. Well, <laughs> nice talking to you, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it can be tough. I, I think I tried to stay on my feet as much as I possibly could both days. Um, but there comes a point where you have to sit down. Um, because that was one of the things that, you know, Ryan and I were very famous for when we do conventions is, we would sit at the table and just draw the whole time and hope that people would come over and talk to us. And, um, you know, my wife was like, you should really like try and stand up and at least engage with people. She's like, you seem very a standoffish when it's just the two of you sitting at the table. Yeah. You're drawing. literally, you're literally standoffish if you're just sitting. Well, <laughs> like, it's, it's a thing of, of almost like, don't bother me. It, the yeah. kind of vibe is what she said she got. So I was like, all right. So I try to make sure that I'm standing most of the time. And, and since we've changed the, the, table layout in the last year um you know i try to put as much on the table that's easily visible as you're walking by so you kind of have to stand up too because you're kind of hidden behind it if you don't yeah no absolutely i get it that's just um, just for me it's like it's just if like working retail all the years i did you do get your sea legs after a while and you can go eight ten hours without like but you know, I work an office job now. Like me, yeah. I, I, you know, I would say I did pretty well there for a bit, but then, like, whenever, like, you know, whenever I lost my steam, it was just I was done for the day. <laughs> I was just a beach whale behind the the booth. You know, like they had to roll me back into the broken restroom just to get a uh, you know water on me. Um, no, it was fun. I, I would have. I, I wish I could have also come out for Sunday to help out as well. But you know. oh, that's okay. I I man the table myself on Sunday and. Uh, there was, you know, a, a decent turnout, um, but even even though it closed at four, people were already packing up at like two thirty, three o'clock. So I got out of there at a decent time. So okay, perfect. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, what did I what did I do on Saturday? Oh, on Sunday. So actually, I'm gonna well, here. I got some live interaction for you. This is something that I'll tease this for the blog. I watched um, American Ninja. It's for the blog. We talk about Canon, oh, right? Oh man! Uh, so uh, that is the fourth uh, Ninja film that Canon put out, to my knowledge. And this is the first one with Michael Dudikoff, right? So we mm-hmm. talked about um, Enter the Ninja as one of our first films we did for Year of the Canon was our, back in February. So, so I decided I'm going to watch another one for the blog. But I ended up making uh, some gifts. I'm going to show Steve one of these gifts, sight unseen, right now, and you're going to tell me what you see. Um, when this loads, I see an '80s apartment. I see a woman walking down the, the aisle. Oh my God! A ninja just jumped out <laughs> through a window and killed her. Oh my God! That's um. Oh oh uh, oh God! I can't think of her name. She's from Friday Thirteenth Part Four and Weird Science. I didn't realize she was in this. He didn't kill her. He just drugged her. But, oh. but the like when he gets when she gets punched in the neck, her eyes go all goofy like she's the goofy uh, Mogwai in Gremlins too. What's funny though is, is she's got a very similar face. Uh, makes a very similar face when she gets killed in Friday Four. Oh, she's the so one who's out in the boat. Then. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, why can't I think of her name? Um, she's one of the girls in in Weird Science. Um, oh, this bugs me. So then I'm also going to show you this one too. These are all going to be in the blog. I'm going to write this. Uh, this weekend. Oh hopefully. yeah, is this the screwdriver? Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, so he this just is threw a screwdriver right into a guy's <laughs> uh, chest. 
and he's he's fighting them with it's uh, Michael Dudikoff using uh, items from like uh, a uh, the side of like a supply truck, and he's throwing like um, a lug wrench, actually two lug wrenches, like a. Uh, yeah. And, a, and a, uh, a screwdriver. This this film isn't great, but there's some great moments. Yeah, so. I mean, hitting the guy in the head, that makes sense. Hitting the guy in the chest with the screwdriver, that makes sense. But there's a guy who gets hit, like, in the leg. Yeah, and it's like, wow. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. Why would that take him down? But, <laughs> but yeah. I remember that from watching it when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in ages, though. So uh, that, that was some Steve's live reaction to GIFs that you guys will see hopefully this weekend when I finish the blog post. Uh, but yeah, I watched American Ninja, and then I was like, I made all the made all the gifts, and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like it took a while to put that all together, <laughs> and it's like now I have no steam to write about American Ninja. But that was my weekend was uh, Dark X Fest, and then American Ninja. So a taste of American Ninja, higher or lower than uh, your scale for say King Solomon's Mines. Oh, this movie, like I so. Um, I've talked about this before on the show, like uh, the Super Bowl weekend, I'll have my Super Bro party where I show 80s action films. American Ninja is going to be in the rotation this year. Okay. That's what I'll say. So yeah, like, is it the funnest movie? No. Is it a movie that would be fun with the crowd? Absolutely. So that's where I'm going to be at with that. So anyway, look forward to that. That's a tease for the blog that will also put pressure on me to write it this weekend. So that's what's going to happen. So anyway, that was my weekend. Uh, and I went to a show Friday night and it was fun. So I, I went to a concert, hung out with Steve, and then saw an American Ninja. That was my my weekend. And I just wanted to ma- mention that uh, that uh, actress's name is Judy Aronson. Um, she was Hilly in Weird Science. So. Oh. Oh, she was one of the younger uh, like girlfriends. Of, yeah, she's the one Anthony who Michael Hall? ends up with. Uh, yeah, or the other, or the other one. I don't know. The yeah, yeah, she ends up with Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, yeah. that's right. She did look familiar, but um, yeah. All right, so that that did you? I mean, you did the you did the Dark X Fest. On Sunday yeah, as well, I did the so. Dark X Fest, and I'm trying to remember when I watched Sunday. Um, my brain was kind of fried. Uh, I feel like actually I didn't. I didn't have a weekend just because, you know, I worked five days, did the convention both days, and then, again, worked the next three. Thankfully, tomorrow being the 4th of July, I'm off, but... It's tough. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It was a run, but I, I honestly am kind of drawing a blank as to what I did Sunday after I got <laughs> home. Uh, that's fair. All right, so, um, yeah, let's just... Uh, we, we've, we've hit our, our almost required 20 minutes of weekend talk. Uh, let's, just, uh, let's just get to the news. <laughs> everyone um i here i'm gonna throw this in there i don't know if this is good news or not but i'm gonna throw this in hooray hooray denied we haven't used that for a while so (laughs) back-to-back futurama drops uh so um the walking dead which is known for very shocking endings pulled one of the biggest ones as of today we're talking about the comic series it's over it ended today officially uh robert uh kirkman uh he uh him and his uh writer his sorry his artist have had this kind of planned out for a bit, but didn't tell anybody. So it ends with issue 193. Um, Cause the issue 192, um, the main character, uh, Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes. Yeah. I was going to say uh, Andrew Lincoln. <laughs> That's the actor <laughs> of the show. They, he actually gets killed in the previous issue. So everyone's like, well, what's going to happen with the walking dead? And then he's like, Oh, well it's over. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. <laughs> and so, but the th- the thing is no one knew until like 24 hours ago that the series was actually ending. 
uh, because Kirkman and his and his artist uh, Charlie Aldard, Adlard, Adlard. I've always uh, said Adlard. Adlard. I don't know if that's Adlard. Correct or not. That that's actually Adlard is like my that's my stage name. Like you know, Mister Adlard. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you were part of the Beastie Boys. Yeah, right. Uh, Ad Lard. That's not right either. Uh, so they what happened was that so with um, since comic companies solicit like um, advanced material. Like, and I don't know the whole process, but artists will submit like cover art so yeah. that way that so they can do the solicitations. All a lot of times, too, they'll say cover art, not final or something. Yeah, yeah. Lines. So they actually submitted a couple fake covers of the next issues of like 194, 195, oh, wow. and then like a sketch of 196 to kind of let everybody think that there's more coming. Yeah. So they put all this in place just to kind of make sure that people like they wanted. Like Kirkman was like, you, the series is known for like sudden things. It would it, basically, it's like, it, this needs to be this way too. And like, I respect that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I believe Previews Magazine, which is where all what all every, all the comic shops order from previews, um, I believe it solicits like four months out. So yeah, that makes sense that they would have to do like, I'm assuming also probably a fake write up for whatever those issues were going to be. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that he he chose to do this. Um, let me ask you this: uh, Have you have you read any of The Walking Dead? I did. Are you a regular watcher of the show? Okay, that's that's two loaded questions. Uh, I did read The Walking Dead. I read the first compendium up through the first half of the prison okay. stuff. So that was probably like two years in, I think, because the way that was all collected. So I didn't get I didn't finish the prison arc. So I didn't meet the governor or anything like that. Um, so the TV series I have a complicated relationship with. I was so excited when they announced that this was coming and Frank Darabont was producing and directing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he is someone that I trust. He's done like some amazing, you know, he, he's he has uh, done justice to the Stephen King works that he's adapted in terms of The Green Mile, uh, in terms of Shawshank Redemption, and The Mist, which The Mist is an amazing film. I mean, all three are amazing, but for a straight-up horror film, The Mist is, like, badass. And, and this was the project he was taking on after The Mist. So that's why, if you notice, there's a lot of actors and crew from The Mist mm-hmm. and The Walking Dead. I was super excited, and I saw the first episode the night it uh, aired, and it was like crazy and then for whatever reason i just didn't get to the rest of it and like the first season's like six episodes or something it wasn't very much and i eventually finished the first season i was like well that was pretty good and then i don't know why i just didn't get back to it i just it was something like so it wasn't like a choice in that you're because there's a lot of people who have abandoned the show because they're unhappy with choices that were made within the show it wasn't like you got to a point where you're like all right, I'm done. Well, I, so part of it was with Darabont having the fight with AMC because so at the time, uh, and this goes all the way back to the second season. It's not like you got that far into the series. Yeah, yeah. So the the the, the series was a hit. Uh, it was higher budget because clearly zombies, right? And so that's a lot of money to get it going. Uh, AMC at the time, their two highest rated shows were Breaking Bad and Mad Men, mm-hmm. um, which they did not own outright. They had separate partnership deals, so they owned like like half or some. But they weren't really making money off those shows, but that's what was bringing people to their channel. The Walking Dead, they owned outright completely uh, in terms of television. So the producers were coming to, to Darabont and was like, hey, you know what if this episode didn't have zombies in it? Like, what if you just heard them outside? Like, what? Like, they kept trying to cut corners because this is the one show they could control ultimate cost on whenever they were sharing production costs with these other two shows. And Darabont was pushing back, pushing back. And so then they eventually... So that's why season two starts, like, kind of, like, treading water because they didn't know... 
like what was going on with Darabon. Yeah. And and so the series hits these peaks and valleys. Cause I I've always kind of read about the TV series. I know that we're talking about the comic, but Kirkman is involved in the series as well. Um, so there's people that are like, they lose interest and then something suddenly would happen. People just rush right back to the series. Um, but this past season keeps losing viewers like left and right. So I don't know if, the, if that, but, but then fear of the walking dead's actually doing pretty strongly. I don't understand. I don't understand TV viewership, but people have been burned by the series, but then they've come back and then people have been burned by the series and they've come back, which if you, if you, you know, asked Robert Kirkman, like straight up, he'd probably be like, yeah, that's probably by design you know, in a lot of ways, because if people are happy the entire time, then this isn't truly a show about the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. The, the reason I had asked that was simply because, sorry, it was a long answer to a question. No, no, I, I am a bad comics fan in that I had read the first two trades, um, which I believe the first trade essentially equates to maybe the first season of the show, but even the first season is, is very, um, well, even like the CDC stuff was different. Uh, was it Shane sticking around was different. Like, and Kirkman purposely wanted to tell different stories because he's like, I want this to be a, so if, if things go wrong or something shocking happens, he wanted to just be just as fresh in the series as it was in the comics. And I, I was very much into the show as well. Um, and I still, I'm still a regular viewer. Um, but I stopped because I was like, you know what? I'm enjoying the show and I'm not currently reading the comics beyond the two that I have. I'm going to, you know, wait and, you know, after each season, maybe read the comic, which Mm -hmm. doing it backwards by anything else that I've ever done. I've always been like, particularly if it's a comic book, I've already probably read whatever it is I'm going to see. Or if there's a, you know, a series based on it, you know, uh, but also, a lot of times those are much looser adaptations, which, you know, this does vary from the comic from time to time of the show. But I, w- I, I put a hold on, you know, not not reading the comic. And now, you know, that you're saying they ended with issue 193. Yeah. That means that <laughs> I probably read the first, I'm going to ballpark it at 20. <laughs> so I now have 173 issues to go back and read on. And I'll, I'll admit, the show... The show wanes when it comes to my interest in it, simply because uh, there's a lot of episodes that'll happen in between big events. So there is a lot of episodes, and they're not like missing zombies or, or anything like that. But it'll they'll split the characters off into three different stories, and like maybe you'll spend you know an episode with Daryl who is just in the woods with his dog, <laughs> and like those episodes are fine, and I completely understand you know uh, character i'm i'm a character guy i i love character moments and in stories um particularly over plot sometimes so that is not a problem for me but it it sometimes can be a bit much where you're like i'm i'm here for some cool zombie stuff too (laughs) let's let's get back to that as well so um i will say you know my wife for the longest time it was kind of hard to get her to watch the show again because she was somebody who was turned off by the Negan killings. So, yeah. you know, the second season starts off, or the second, the, I think it's the seventh season, yeah. is what I meant to say. Starts off with a very famous scene of Negan killing two characters. Um, and it, both of them were fan favorites, although I don't necessarily know that there was anybody in that lineup that wouldn't have upset people, but, uh, well, maybe That's kind were. of the point, too, right? I mean, it's yeah. Just, yeah, but... 
I I was simply like I I I was kind of taken aback that people were unhappy with that episode. I'm like, oh, it finally gave us something. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, we've been building up to this, you know. So uh, going back to the comic, I am I am far behind. Um, I. I'm a bad comic fan, though. I should have been reading the comics ahead of the, the, the show, but I was like, I don't want to ruin the show. Well, no. So, okay. Counterpoint to that is, um, I, I had not read any of the Game of Thrones books. Sorry, A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, and it's one of those things that I felt like I was able to engage with, with it, with what was being presented to me, and I fell in love with the series. And it, it did I rob myself of probably some of this nuance and extra depth and like eight million other characters? Yeah, but. Did I necessarily need to have these two tracks running through my head, knowing specifically that the TV show was going to be different? Mm-hmm. You know, I almost didn't want to have that blemish there, right? So, I, like, I would read reviews. Like, the Onion AV Club would actually do two sets of reviews for that show. They would do for newbies and for experts. And the experts ones got a little weird the last three seasons because everything fell away. There's nothing yeah. in the books. But reading the experts' reviews were also kind of nice because you hear them say, "I can see why they're doing this," or "I hope they do this." And it gave a little bit of context, but it didn't color my opinion because I had already watched the episode. Okay, you know, so I don't know. Like, I would would I sit down and watch? I'm sorry, would I sit down and read all the Walking Dead? Yeah, absolutely. I just it was one of those things. I just I liked it. I just didn't get back to it. And mm-hmm. um, in, you could say that about like, for a lot of people and for a lot of things. Uh, you the every single day something new comes out right now that I'm like I'll get to it. I'm probably not going to get to it. I don't know what's wrong with me. There's just so much shit piling up around me, pop culture-wise, that, you know, yeah, I could just dive right in with all this stuff, but then would I be happy? I would just be more like just having to eat it just to eat it as opposed to wanting to actually relish it. Yeah, and I mean, I actually, and and we've talked about this a little bit in relationship to the show of having, quote-unquote, work to do when it comes to watching or, or partaking in uh, certain media, whether it be reading a story for the the, the, the podcast or a comic, or, or a King Solomon's mind movie, film. or or watching, <laughs> you know, you know, a six hour, you know, limited series. You know, I mean, Stranger Things is probably what ten episodes. It's so. eight. I think it's eight episodes. Okay. So, yeah, so we're, spoiler: we're covering Stranger Things next week because we both want to watch it, and plus, also, it's Stranger Things. And Steve and I talked about season two, so we got to talk about season three. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like you've got to consume this right away. Um, and in some ways, it becomes this uh, obligation is the better way, yeah. way of, of, of using it. And there are so many shows that I suddenly, like, for instance, the Marvel shows. Um, where did I leave off? Oh, I, I, I left off after the Defenders. Like, I did not. Yeah, I watched yeah. two episodes of the second season of Jessica Jones. And then I think all the things start happening where... That's true. I watched one episode of The Punisher. I did watch one episode. Oh, I didn't even finish The Punisher. I got six episodes in, and it was just, it was so dreary and like depressing that I just, I had to take a break from it. And was I never it, went was back. It punishing? It was. <laughs> but the point that I'm making is, is that like as soon as I, they were like, we're not making these anymore, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not obligated to be stuck to a, 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 a character yeah. st- or, or a set just, of series, then, you know, it was like a weight was lifted off me. Even though I was enjoying those things, it was like one less thing that I had to worry about, and I'm like, well, I can get to it when I want to. No, and even Daredevil, yeah. which I loved, was my favorite show, I still have not watched the third season, because I knew it was like, well, they're going to be done with it, so there's no rush to watch it. Yeah, that's fair. I just I also know me in the sense that, like, I have, I, I you know... <laughs> 
I'm very bingy, like uh, with with TV shows and food. I've heard that and, about and, you, and I'm very purgy as well with TV shows and food. Uh, so no, uh, like I I will like start something in the morning, and then be like ten episodes later, and be like my day's gone. And oh, granted, I've had that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And my problem it isn't because I have something really important to do that day. I'm probably doing other dumb shit, but I, I like spacing out my dumb shit. You know, I'm like, oh, if I start watching this, I'm I'm going to be compelled to watch all of it today. But when's video games happen? So like I have, I always set myself up for being like, I can't commit right now because I got to play, I got to do these other things. So I don't know, like the same thing with Walking Dead. I feel like it's been on, it's been on so long now that even if I had a, a passing interest, there'd be a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. Um, and with the comic, like, so the reason we mentioned it one, cause it's ended, which surprised everybody. And Kirkman at one point said that he, in his mind, he thought he could go like 300 issues. But then as he was plotting it all out and working on it, he realized that, you know, like about like 50, 60 episodes issues ago, he's like, we're running out of like, you know, basically like we're getting where I thought I was going to go. Yeah. And so instead of trying, and he said he struggled with like trying to find more story and he's like, it didn't feel right to the story. I think that's the most important thing because everyone's like, oh, well, this is ending. Kirkman has plenty of other irons in the fire. Like, don't don't worry about him. Like, um, I, I haven't watched that series. What was it? Outcast that's on um, Showtime, the possession one that he did. Oh, um, really? I, I, I've not heard of that. I thought it was it, about the... Uh isn't it about the singer outcast? Yeah, no, uh, no. It's it's a possession like a demon possession series. It's supposed to be pretty good. It's based on a comic he's written. All right, I, dis- despite my lame joke, I've not heard of Outcast. Uh, oh, okay. And, uh, honestly, like if I if I was able to bring an Outcast song off the top of my head, I would have made a joke immediately. But, but I uh, just mean being a fairly savvy comic book guy and 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 having my fingers at least a little bit in mm-hmm. all the things that are happening in the entertainment world, I. I'm really surprised. I'd not heard of the Outcast, nor did, not the comic, nor the the, the series. Did so. I talk to you briefly about Oblivion Song? That's the other one he's been writing recently. That's really really no. cool. I read the first trade of that. Uh, it's very sci-fi and trippy, and like a fun way, in the sense of like, uh, imagine like a large like circular area of like Chicago just just kind of blips out, like not blips out of existence, like it trades places with another place. And like all these residents get stuck in like this otherworldly dimension, but then what what's being brought over is now dealing with like us. And so then the book picks up like ten years later, where the world's kind of like accepted this trans. They call it the transference. But there's this one guy who's able to kind of he's actively flipping into it to try to save people. It's it's a pretty cool book. Like and it has mm-hmm. some has some nuance because like how do these people that he finally tracks down and gets them back to the real world, they've been living in like this hellscape for like eight, nine years. How do they adjust back? Like it's cool and it's actually been um uh, they actually picked it up to uh, uh, for a film. So eh, Kirkman's gonna be fine. He has a lot of other you know, a lot of creative output. Um I I respect Especially when we talk about like owner created stuff, which is going to get to a story here in a second. We're going to talk about uh, for him to, to be like, you know, I I could easily phone this in forever and make a ton of money off of it, but this is what serves the story, and this is what's going to be the end. And and fair enough for him, this is what put him on the map. So don't fumble the ending. You yeah. Know? So yeah, yeah. I I don't have too much more to say because, like I said, I'm a, I'm a bad comics fan in that yeah. I haven't been reading the book. Um, well, and so I if you guys want to get the on the show over 
reading the book, so, you know. If you guys want to get on board with the Science Slasher, there is one issue, so there isn't 193 <laughs> yet. Well, I was going to say, I was also, I'm, I'm now considering, maybe I should buy the last issue and see how it ended. <laughs> yeah. You're like, how that, if you, you've seen the film Mystery Men, right? A long time ago. Uh, there, yeah. There's a bit where, uh, oh, what's this, the singer um, that is the guy who's like the professor in that film? Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, at the very, very end, it's like he helps them. Supposedly, they're going to go off, save the day. And the next morning, it's, it's um, oh, Lou, um, not Lou Reed. It's the other one. Uh, anyway, he's sitting in the morning eating cereal. And he's like, oh, how'd that all turn out? Like, he's watching the news. Like, <laughs> he just, he, he just, just doesn't even care. Like, and, like, and the, like you're like, yeah, I'll, I hope they worked out okay. Like, that's what you'd be picking up the last issue. Um, yeah. So, anyway. Um yeah, that, that's yeah, that's that story. So the next story here, uh, this also kind of ties into this. Uh, Netflix is officially making a show based on Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. Um, that's exciting. It's exciting, and it's also interesting considering that DC just shuttered Vertigo altogether simply because they want to try and prevent this this type of thing happening with something they can potentially own. Yeah. Um, and. I know Sandman has been talked about for years trying to be adapted. I'm still, and it's unfair because I haven't read a lot of Sandman, but from looking at it from the outside, I can say that it doesn't look like it's the most easily adaptable property, um, particularly even just sitting out in the the Vertigo brand, not even the DC brand. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. Tom Waits. Um, what is wrong? It was Tom Waits. He's the professor. The one Tom the, Waits is going to be uh, the Sandman. No, he's Doc Heller at Mystery Men. Oh. All, so at the end, he's just eating cereal. He's like, oh, how'd that all turn out? The cycle fracculator or whatever. He's just like, <laughs> just, anyway. Uh, I, I, I have to just pause for just a second here, only because Paul has a story pulled up on his computer with the information regarding the Sandman series being on Netflix. However, there's an ad... <laughs> Uh, that has popped up on his screen for Dollar Tree glow in the dark toy blades, and it's like uh, a meat cleaver, a knife, a scythe, a, yeah, a, a scythe or a scythe, and what looks like I guess just like a steak knife, not even a steak knife, like a large bread knife. I don't, I don't even know what you use to cut that, but like. It's so weird that there's four of those, and they're all glow-in-the-dark toy blades for a dollar. I don't think I've ever seen a pop-up for Dollar Tree. Well, because I recently bought something off of Dollar Tree's website. Um, oh, you're that, in their algorithm now. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> you're right. It's brief brief aside. I, I, was I didn't try- know Dollar Tree had a website. I didn't know either until... so. I'm trying to do something for my my yearly event, the the thing I do out in the park where people run around and be idiots, and yeah. uh, it's called Stick Half Long because I'm a megalomaniac and I have everything named after me. Um, <laughs> like, hey, everybody, want to run around our park and get sunstroke? It's named after me. Next and, year, I'm taking over, and it's going to be called Steve Cathalon. Steve Cathalon, yeah, <laughs> uh, ki- the King Athlon. That's what would be great. Uh, uh, so the theme this year is ninjas, and I found these like one dollar ninja toys that I've every year. I go to Dollar Tree to find things just for the, because you know, it's like, it's kind of tongue in cheek. And every year they have these ninja toys, like a bunch of them. I go into one Dollar Tree and find like five of them this year. I can't find them anywhere else. (laughs) So I thought I'll go to their website. Maybe they'll have them like individually. I had to buy a goddamn crate of ninjas for 25 bucks. And 
it's being shipped. I have to go pick it up at a store. Nice. So now you're right. I, I bought something on Dollar Tree. Now I'm getting banner ads for Dollar Tree. And one of them is for uh, $1 uh, glow-in-the-dark blades, which I'm not going to buy a uh, $25 crate of. <laughs> so anyway, so 11 episodes uh, for the series. It looks like the first season. I would hope that's for a first season because Sandman, the series, sprawls over a number of years, a number of volumes. Uh, and it is it is an odd ethereal like abstract thing because it deals with dreams and all these different levels of everything i just i think putting this into a limited series or maybe multiple seasons is better a better call than like a film oh Um, yeah yeah. absolutely and i think netflix they have had a a pretty good track record of putting the right people in the right place to make something like this happen like the money isn't the issue no, although I still, I it hurts my brain when I try to figure out how Netflix makes money. I don't think they do. No. I, I don't understand the math there. Um, but yeah, what's funny to me about this is, is that I, I have to wonder if, is this a direct result of the Good Omens um, viewership on Amazon Prime and the fact that... Uh, a group of Christians wrote Netflix <laughs> to get good omens removed from their, their uh, platform, even though it was on Amazon and not Netflix. I thought that was really funny. I, I think this is one of those things, like, since Neil Gaiman has a lot of control of his own properties, he can sign off whenever something's appropriate. So I feel like this is something that it's probably been in the works for a while. It just has to be announced now because it's going to be, you know, going into development or I should say production. I don't know when. And if it comes off the heels of Good Omens, good on him. But I feel like this is something that's probably been a long time cooking. So, yeah, it's just exciting. And until until we get more information, I'm going to be optimistic until proven otherwise. Like that's like I this is be something we talk about all the stuff we'll put off to the side. Uh, if this comes to pass, this is something that I'll definitely just take time out of my weekend the first time it's available to watch it. Because comic ad- comic adaptations are a huge thing right now. Like I think Amazon is it Amazon Prime is putting out the boys. That's soon. That's, yeah, that, that's yeah. a comic that I've never read. Uh, Netflix has done the Umbrella Academy, which I've not watched yet. I haven't yeah. watched that. I haven't read any of the comics. So yeah, everything's getting an adaptation now. So except, yeah, except for my comic. Well, well, <laughs> you don't know. Have you? Have to be you fair, there's to, only you, one issue. Have you talked to Netflix about it? You know, they'll be like, it's a very limited series of. You could probably it's get one episode. You could probably get three episodes out of that. That's fine. Um, so yeah, I, it just we'll we'll see. Like I, again. Gaiman is it's it, he's he's a amazing author, a wonderful world builder, and if he's involved, then like I'm sure he'll have the right hand and and helping shape this. So I have no doubt about that. I know I came uh, off as a little cold towards Good Omens, I you know, but a lot of people have enjoyed that. You enjoyed it, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. Uh, I do think to myself like oh who would i cast and you know who do you get for that show but at the same time i think about something like hellboy where you know i don't know who i would have cast in hellboy you know and then as soon as i heard that it was ron perlman i was like oh that's perfect so because yeah, well, sure tom waits was too old by that time <laughs> <laughs> well my first thought was like well they'll probably just get david tennant but like i don't know you know who who will be cast and you know what'll happen with the show but it'll be interesting to see how it develops yeah for sure so 
I'm sure we'll mention it again when we get closer to any any news actually happening, who's cast as what. So, and I'm sure there'll be Netflix is probably chomping at the bit to be like, can we have a death miniseries spinoff? Because death is like one of the big breakout characters from that series as well. Yeah, and she showed up in a lot of things, and yeah, like so. Yeah. You know, this is it just uh, came to my. Um, Came into my brain, baby. Um, <laughs> why? Why the baby word? Ugh. Like I Ugh. got, I, I got. Uh, uh, I had a little stutter there, and then I suddenly... had a brain baby, and here it comes. <laughs> uh, it's being delivered. No, I, it just made me think of the fact that, uh, and I don't have the DC app, so I've not watched Swamp Thing. But people really, really took the Swamp Thing, and then before, because it was already established, I think it's like eight or ten episodes. Um, but like after the first episode aired, they're like, "Yeah, we canceled this." People are like, "What is going on? We really like this show. You, you normally do that after the show airs, yeah, because that's got to tank subscriptions, right? Like, maybe I I, th- I feel like the only thing it's like, well, people were responding well to Swamp Thing on the DC uh, app. Uh, people were also responding really well to Doom Patrol. Yeah, uh, Titans left people a little wonky, which you know, well, F Batman. Yeah, right? that no. was. Yeah. That I mean, honestly, as a uh, almost lifetime Batman fan, that definitely left me like, "Whoa, I have no interest in watching this now." So um, I will also say too, this is not the story we were talking about, but uh, that the DC Universe app or whatever, they're actually announced that Doom Patrol is actually being put out on Blu-ray. So oh, that's wow. cool. Um, and that just makes me just wish, hey, Netflix, I know you do some of your series. How about some of your original films? Because I would pay a pretty good amount of money for an Apostle Blu-ray. How about that? Put that uh, up. If we're talking about movies that, we want, uh, that are on Netflix to get Blu-ray releases, I want Hush by Mike Flanagan. Yeah. I would love to have that. And I would love... That's the thing that's kept me from buying the Stranger Things box sets is that there's no real special features. Like... I'm not going to buy the the the, the um, sets of those. They look great. They're at Target. I don't know if you've seen them. Like the VHS case stuff. Yeah, yeah it's cool. But there's nothing really extra on it. Like, give me a reason to double dip. Yeah, the only, wait, I would just buy uh, Apostle because one, I want to support the filmmaker, but also it's like as much as like Netflix is a thing, and I feel like it's going to be around for a while. There's no guarantee it's going to be around. Give me, I'd like to have a physical copy of that film. But I, I also look at companies like you know Arrow and Scream Factory and Severin that do these wonderful releases of these films. Like, give them the license, and you're the, gonna make money if it's a movie they love. And yeah, they're they're going to give it the care and attention. They're going to make it like a th- I I I can only see that as win win. Okay, maybe you don't sell every single copy. Uh, you know, like maybe you don't like maybe it's not gangbusters, but doesn't that reinforce your brand really well? I would think so. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, Netflix and internet listening, but if you are, because well, Dollar Tree's listening, because I got to add for Dollar Tree. <laughs> hey, Dollar Tree, if you could, if you could convince Netflix <laughs> to release Apostle on Blu-ray, that'd be great. So, all right. Uh, last story here, real quick. Uh, I, I feel like real quick is always like the nod to people. Like it's not going to be real quick. Um, no. So I just like to point out, I believe we're 45 minutes in. Yeah. So I mean, we're actually running pretty quickly here. Yeah. We're actually doing pretty good. Uh, so uh, headline here is man breaks in to rob a Florida Wendy's, but stops to make himself dinner first. So uh, <laughs> it's a story from Sienna a couple days ago. And I saw this. I'm like, I have to wait to tell Steve until we start recording. Uh, it says here. He's the modern day hamburglar. <laughs> Police say he was caught on camera making himself a burger before robbing.
serving a Florida Wendy's. Patrick Benson, 34, was arrested Saturday and charged with burglary, grand theft, and attempted burglary, according to a news release from the Martin County Sheriff's Office. Security footage at the Jensen Beach restaurant appears to catch Benson in the act and also reveals a strange part of his process. After breaking the windows with a brick or large rocks after hours, Benson started up the grill, made himself a burger, and ate it, the Sheriff's Office said. Only after his meal did he grab the safe and make his escape. <laughs> That's so weird. Like, yeah. I don't know why you would do that. Like, I I understand, you know, that... I guess I don't understand burglary, but I mean, I understand it on the basis what, what, what level about, of, What like, about burglary? That's not even a word. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I certainly understand, you know, if you're somebody who's going to rob a place, taking the safe and getting the hell out of there... I don't understand stopping to make yourself a burger. That just makes no sense. He's done this two times before, too. Like, it, like he's actually forced his way into fast food restaurants, made himself a meal, and then robbed the place. <laughs> so, like, of all the calling cards you can leave is the whole, like, I know there's not much here, but I got to get my uh, my triple, whatever, my uh, my, day, my Wendy's triple. Um, yeah, I just, like... <laughs> You know, I, I just think that he would probably discover that their chilies made out of human meat and they would just kill him. Like, I think that's what they would find out. <laughs> but just the, this is the story of like someone that's like either either they they um, know exactly what they're doing in the sense of like, I could break in. No one's would give a shit that I broke into a Wendy's in the middle of the night. <laughs> I got probably four to five hours at least to do what I want. Uh, you know, damn the security footage. Cause, was you know, he even wearing a mask? I don't. <laughs> wouldn't it have been great if he was wearing a hamburger burglar mask? <laughs> Like I, I'm wondering, like, did he leave behind fingerprints? Did you know? Well, that's just that's his mugshot. Oh, yeah. But it wouldn't have been great if he like you had him like dressed as the Hamburglar or the Burger King. Like you know, wouldn't yeah. that be great? And him just looking at the camera specifically, and then like covering them in condiments, or just or being like Robble Robble, and just like covering it up and be <laughs> Robble yeah. Robble. <laughs> like I I feel like if he would have wore a fast food mask, breaking into fast food restaurants, that would be his like homage to Point Break with like the the, oh, the ex presidents like. That would be amazing. Yeah. So I know we talked about this before about calling the cops on fast food restaurants if they didn't have what you wanted. Yeah. Um, if you had to break into a restaurant to rob it, which one would it be and what would you make for yourself before you pull a Hudson Hawk style? Like, oh, I'm going to set my I got, I got a schedule here. I'm going to make a meal and then steal the, the safe and leave. So we have to work under the assumption that like I can't pick someplace fancy that I'm not going to be able to make whatever the meal is. <laughs> so, for instance, uh, one of my favorite places to to eat um, is Danny Boy's. Okay. And I love, love, love their calzones. But I, if you threw me in there and I was like, make a calzone, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, so if we're going someplace that I could do something simple like a burger, um, hmm. I'm thinking if it's a burger joint and it's like a chain restaurant, yeah, probably five guys. That's a good call. That's actually a really good call because at least then you got you know you got the fresh meat and yeah and they have all those nice fixings. That's a, that's a good call. And then you can steal the safe and then like seven pounds of peanuts out the door. <laughs> I would throw those on the ground so you know that uh, <laughs> you leave would, a trail. Yeah, <laughs> would be like there's always yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think, I mean, you're right. I think burgers would be simple enough to pull off because I think I would try to robbing a Long John Silver's, but this places don't have any money anyway. So, um, and I would just go. What well, happened? He ate 30 hush puppies and he's <laughs> asleep in the back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's, in a, he's in a puppy coma. That's fine. Uh, that's what would happen. It's like, but we, there, there was negative $5 in the safe. We don't even know how that happened. He had to have seven piece fish and more. Um, it's like it just reeks of malt vinegar and tartar sauce back here. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that that's somebody broke in and made himself a meal. And if you, you know. plan to shoplift, let us know. That's the sign. <laughs> that's of the, the sign. Yes. All right. Um, that's going to do it for for news. Uh, let's just get into uh, Spider Man Far From Home. I'm going to tell you guys. I'm going to say this out loud, so I know we're 50 minutes in. So for the show notes, we'll let you guys know that this is when the spoilers are going to happen. Here's some spoilers right now. Do you know why they are called spoilers? If you have not seen Spider-Man Far From Home and have any interest in seeing the film, stop listening now and, and pick us up here. I don't, I'll put in the notes when we, we stop talking about it because it's going to be spoiler heavy because that's how that's how we do because I don't know how else to talk about this film without spoiling some of it. Yeah, I I, I mean, it would be a pretty short review without spoilers, unfortunately, because there's here, a lot to unpack in the movie. Here's a spoiler for your review. I liked it. All right, now on to the actual talk. And now for our feature presentation. So Spider-Man Far From Home, I always want to say far, far, far from home or something. I feel like the title needs to be longer. I don't know why. It is a sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. And so I'm sure the next two Spider-Man films will have the word home in there somewhere. Um, It is uh, directed again by, um, oh, his name was right in front of me. Um, the guy who directed the first, John Watts, who directed the first one. Uh, uh, so I, I think some of the same writers were involved as well. It pretty consistent follow up in terms of like, it didn't feel like it strayed too far off the path of the first film that I love. I love homecoming a great deal. Yeah. So when this was announced as a sequel, um, homecoming did a lot of the heavy lifting of making me, I mean, well, actually to be fair, uh, Captain America civil war did a lot of heavy lifting to make me be like, this is the Spider-Man I want to see more of. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, they, they, for a cameo, well, he Spider Man wasn't a necessary portion of Civil War, but they brought him in because they were able to figure out the deal with Sony. Yeah. And as much as he wasn't needed in that film, I loved him in that movie. I loved his introduction. It was a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, I I believe the year that Homecoming came out, uh, we had had a discussion at the end of the year, and I, you know, I basically said homecoming was my favorite comic book movie that came out that year and that was ahead of i think both logan and guardians of the galaxy too so i really liked uh homecoming yeah and so um not that this film had like it didn't need to it didn't have the baggage of expectation because i feel like for the most part if you keep everything consistent Marvel has proven like Marvel and Disney has proven that they can still knock it out of the park pretty, pretty consistently in the sense of like, you have the same director, you have a lot of the same framework. Uh, you're not going to go too off, like too different from the formula. Not that I wouldn't expect want a, like a really trippy Spider-Man film, but like Tom Holland, I, I love him as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. You keep putting him into complications of trying to balance school, love and being a hero. Like that's a winning formula for me. And that doesn't change in this movie, and it's better for it. Yeah. Um, on that same note, uh, I would say that uh, when it comes to the character of Peter Parker, um, and again, this is an unfair comparison, but um, 
you know, when it comes to comic book films, a lot of times the main character, like a Spider-Man or um, Batman is where I was actually going to go with this. Batman's not nearly ever given the amount of, sometimes even up against his own villains, like the villain will get more screen time or more importance to the story, uh, whereas Bruce Wayne is a lot of times an afterthought, and Batman is the character that you're with. With Spider-Man, they're one and the same, and Peter Parker, a large chunk of his story is just things that are going on with Peter Parker, whether it's dealing with the death of, spoiler, um, Tony Stark. Uh, oh, wait. Dealing... Uh, dealing with the fact that all he wants to do after having gone through everything that happened in Endgame and Infinity War is just go on a vacation with his friends Um, and also having to deal with the fact that he's kind of been left this gift that we'll get into a little bit more that he doesn't know what to do with. Yeah, so how how do you feel about Marvel putting out trailers that show you things that are nowhere in the movie? Like... It's funny because I was expecting the police scene where he breaks up the robbery. Yeah. And yeah, I was expecting that. I'm okay with it. I'm used to it at this point. Um, I think it's great because it still gives you, like, it gives you an idea of what the film's about. Because the whole thing is like, oh, the cops are like, are you the new Spider Man? Sorry, the new Iron Man? You're like, no, no, but I'm going on vacation. I, I don't, like, I got to do your, guys, your job for you or whatever. Like, he's yeah. just trash talking the cops, having some fun. He's like, I got to go on vacation. It's like, it's still that little snippet in that trailer still sets up exactly what the film's about and it doesn't take away from the movie. Mm-hmm. So, cause I about halfway through, I'm like, Oh, that didn't happen, but yeah. I'm okay with that. Like it's almost like a, a one shot story, like not even a one shot, but it's like, it's a one panel, like tie in to whatever's going on. But this is a movie that's dealing with the direct, uh, fallout from Endgame in the sense of that all happened. Uh, what people had called the snap is now called the blip. Yeah. And you see, like for better and for good, like the, this this movie makes it more of a joke about what happens with the blip uh, than probably the reality, like the horrific reality. Of what's going on? Like even Aunt May was like, "Oh, the apartment I was in, the family just showed back up, and they thought that, like they said, that I thought I was a ghost or something." It's like, <laughs> yeah, that would be something horrific. I think one of my favorite lines: the film begins uh, with a school presentation in the morning with Betty Brant and some other schooler, uh, high schooler. But what's funny is, is a uh, they're kind of explaining like that some of the class, you know, went out in the blip. Some of the class didn't, and the one guy's like, "Man, it's so weird. My younger brother's older than me now." <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the whole bit with uh, the high school marching band it was yeah. funny. Like they just kind of showed the reality of what would happen with all that. So like, like there's people some reappearing five years five later, years later. Yeah, in the middle of a basketball game. They're just getting <laughs> annihilated, you know, by the players. So that was all fun. Um. So maybe so here's here's the question that you should probably ask me right now before we get into the movie improper. We just talked about this. I know I have had some really rough around the edge like watching film experiences going into the theater and before we start recording my wife hinted at something and you're like, "Oh, did something happen in the theater?" So Steve, you have the worst luck, I swear. What happened in the theater this time? So before I get to that uh, not that this podcast is going to go long, you guys. I mean, come on, you know, well, it's going to be Fourth of July, Fourth of July weekend. What are you going to do? Go blow stuff up and eat hot dogs? You got time. Um, that that makes me sound like the most important person in the world. You got time to listen to me rant about my theater experiences. <laughs> I went to go see John Wick three like a week and a half ago, thinking, you know, it's been long enough. I could probably go without a problem. 
And it was the most miserable goddamn experience within the first 15 minutes of people all like people just around me, just around me, just like talking and everything else. And I just knew that I could sit here for two hours and watch this movie and be pissed off or I could leave. And I went to the the manager. I was like, I'd like my money back. And they're like, oh, what happened? I was like, there's people just talking in the theater. Like, I wish there'd be more policing. And the lady, the the manager was like, oh, we don't have the, the staffing for that. I'm like, then why are you selling goddamn tickets to this experience if you're going not have the ability to police it? And people will tell me, Paul, you have the ability to tell people to be quiet. You're right. One, um, there was multiple sets of people in that theater talking, so I can't just be like, hey, all of you, I'm keeping track. I got names, you know. So anyway, I, I watched 15 Minutes John Wick 3 and then eventually caught it like a couple days later. And so I'm, I'm making a list now of theaters that I'm like, this is a bad experience. I don't want to go here again. The one theater I thought was going to be like the worst experience I've had the least amount of problems with so far. So I think that might be my go-to and it's on the east side of Cleveland. And it's kind of like, kind of like a rundown mall that, so I, I think nobody goes there. That might be my go-to hideaway now for films. But okay. anyway, saw John Wick three. It was quite good. And there was only a two do bros talking sometimes to the film as opposed to five separate sets of people. So I'll take it. This one, I was waiting to tell the story on the show just to get your reaction. Mary and I get in the theater um, it's, it's the capital. So it's Cleveland cinemas. They usually are pretty good about all this stuff in terms of people reacting to things. When we first walk in the theater, there's only one other person sitting in there. I'm like, okay, this isn't bad. It's a, it's a Tuesday night. We go sit down and the theater starts filling in starts filling in this, these parents with like their, I don't know, three or four year old sit in the row behind us and like maybe five seats to my right. And they're just like chatty talking. The kid's excited. I, I can't be upset that a kid's excited about Spider-Man because he's five. He loves Spider-Man. I'm 40. I love Spider-Man. I can't be like, you can't love him like I do. That would be wrong. But you're grownups, your parents. You could, you know, the kid doesn't, you could tell him like, we're going to watch the movie, whatever. So during the, during the previews, they had to comment on everything. And I could hear all the conversation over and over and over again. The movie starts. And they keep talking. And Steve, I, I shit you not. I, I, me, I'm very passive aggressive. I hate conflict. I, I leaned over. Mary was to my right. I leaned over, looked behind her. And I, I looked to the, I looked directly at the woman. I was like, Hey, can you keep it down? You know what she did? Hmm. She turned and looked over her shoulder. Like I was talking to somebody else. <laughs> I, I, and then she just turned back and kept doing what she was doing. Uh, like, like I, I, I know I always try to watch out for swear words on this podcast, but yeah. you got to be effing kidding me. Like that she, I was looking directly at her. She knew I was looking at her because it wasn't even her kid. was the problem. It was her. Yeah. I just, I don't understand. Well, a, I don't understand what keeps happening to you. I mean, I've had bad experiences too. In the Maybe theater, it's just me. Maybe I just want to have a good time in the theater and people just shut the hell up. Maybe no, that's just me. It's Maybe. not you in that sense, but I mean, like, you know, for the most part, the crowd was pretty good at Spider-Man in my theater. Um, you know, I'll be honest, you know. Sorry, in the in background, now I'm talking about the, the people in my neighborhood like firing off fireworks. If you guys hear some pops, it's just fireworks. It isn't me getting angry and shooting a gun off in the sky, <laughs> the night sky getting angry at theater goers. But uh, when it comes to, you know, the theater experience, I've had bad experiences. I've had really great experiences, you know. And there's a certain level that I don't, you know, I don't really, that doesn't really bother me. Like, People chit chatting through the the trailers, yeah, it's annoying. That would bother me let, too. But I'm like, it's trailers. I'll, I'll let get, it, get it out of your system. Yeah, we're gonna watch a movie. Trailers, fine, fine. I get it. Like, I try to let that go. But as soon as like the movie starts, 
You know, and again, I've gone over this before. Like when it's an, a, a shared experience and people are cheering and laughing and having a good time with the movie, that's one thing. But if you're just having a straight out conversation or looking at your phone, just get the hell out of the theater. Well, it's like, just, I don't understand. I don't understand that mentality of uh, of going to the theater and doing other things while you're there. It's not even. It's just that like we're watching the film and then like. Uh, so I don't. I just how do I how do I describe this? Uh, so in the beginning, like you 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 see the the uh, what was it Mexico? Is it Mexico? Somewhere in like the the central peninsula. That's central Central America. Like whatever. At the beginning of the film, whenever you see that town torn apart and it's like the, the first minute of the film. yeah, and it's like that was going on. So something like that happened. I'd be like oh like what's like that's not good. Oh oh snap! Like you'd hear commentary the entire time. It's like I paid to, to hear the dreamy Jake Gyllenhaal talk to me, not you. And your decision to bring a kid to a movie on a Tuesday night. Yeah. You know, like, again, I, I, I don't know their life. Maybe this is the one film a year that they get to go to, and this is the one experience that they have together. Maybe they couldn't afford a sitter. I get all that. Regardless, that doesn't stop you from being a respectful adult. Yeah. That's all. Like, I, it doesn't give you a license to be an asshole. Yeah. Like, the, the kid was okay, honestly. Like, he was actually, I would, I would have been like, you sit with me. Your parents don't love you, like, or something. Not that that's <laughs> not true. Um, you know, you sit with me, your parents don't love you. that's no, but so <laughs> after the movie was over, she ends up coming back in the theater, like looking for something she lost. And like <laughs> my wife looked at me, she's like, I hope she didn't find it. Like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> 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 so anyway, I'm sorry. That had nothing to do with Spider-Man. And so, but the reason I bring it up, because one, it's annoying Two, I wanted you to sympathize with me and tell me I'm not a bad person. And three, no, you're not, um, I, you know, I kind of am, but, uh, the, the, Three though, it's like I don't like you and I have had discussions about certain films in which, in which the environment we've seen them in have kind of colored the film, like, mm-hmm. uh, and with this is one that I was, I I've been excited for this film for a while, but you know I didn't put it, I just kind of kept it out of my my mind. I'll make I'll get to it when I get to it, and then the idea I'm like, oh everything's lining up. I get to see it Tuesday night. I got excited on Tuesday, so I was trying not to let my excitement like you know what well, maybe the theater's going to be shitty, and then I you know. It just hurt. That woman just just took it just took some of the the fun out of that film for me in a lot of ways. And it's not the it's not the film's fault. I still laughed. I still had a good time. I feel like it would have been like twenty percent like more mm-hmm. had I just been constantly annoyed by what was going on behind me. And that took me out of the film at times. And that's not the film's fault. No, no, yeah. it's not the film's fault at all. So um, that again, if we're talking about the review of Spider Man, and I'm giving a review of the person that's sitting behind me. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, but um, so questions for you about this? Uh, I know I'm kind of I'm done and over talking about the dumb lady behind okay. me. I'm done. We're past that. We're over. It's over. Um, so. What did you think of kind of like it was more of like a globe hopping narrative? Like you went from point to point, and it was all this stuff. So, how did you feel that? How how did you feel about Spider Man as a character over in Europe, bouncing from location to location and dealing with problem to problem, versus versus the first film where it was more local and just him just being a kid living in New York and living it was in Queens. Are you saying what did I feel? How did I feel about the location versus staying in one location versus? Well, I being feel in like one? one of the big identities of Spider-Man is New York. 
Okay. And this was not. Oh, New so York. you're asking, you know, does Spider Man still work outside of New York? Is yeah, that- I, I guess. I mean, just I feel like he's a fish out of water, but the, I feel like there's sometimes where he's sidelined in terms of the action going on. That was also by design because it's part of the story. Yeah. So, how did you feel about that? Um. So cards on the table. One of the things that, and it's it's. There's so much to like about this movie. It feels almost bad to. Uh, it makes me feel bad, I suppose, to really kind of harp on this, but I was a little disappointed with the Spider-Man action part of the film because it is fairly sparse throughout the film. Um, and again, I'm a guy who loves characters, so I'm all for spending tons of time with Peter Parker, but uh, a large portion of this story is about a large portion of this story is Mysterio pretending to be a hero and essentially being the focus of, of the action. Um, I go back to, uh, and again, this is unfair because it's a different series, but the original um, Sam Raimi, the first, uh, I'm sorry, the second film, um, Spider-Man 2, there are so many amazing action sequences in that movie that still hold up to this day. And I don't know that I felt like I got even one that in this film that lived up to that. There's a, there's a wonderful, um, um, well, it actually happens twice in the film, but there's two times where Spider-Man is stuck in an illusion mm-hmm. and trying to find his way out. And there's some great visuals and some awesome stuff that happens in that. But I never got a wow moment. Like, a, so for instance, I'm thinking of, you know, the, the second Spider-Man movie, the, the train sequence, um, the sequence at the bank, um, just the vertical, the vertical fight along the building. Yeah, yeah like there's cool. so yeah. many cool moments in that, and I, I never felt like I got a, a, a an action scene, scene worthy of that in this film. Uh, that doesn't mean that there's not good action in this movie, um, but I, I felt like I didn't really see Spider-Man get shot by fireworks. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, no, I didn't see him. I, I didn't see Spider-Man be Spider-Man enough. Maybe that's the better way of putting that, it. I didn't fair. have a, a fantastic moment that I, I loved like I dearly did in, in the other movies. But, um, you know, on that same token, you know, it is the nature of the story. And there is great stuff that happens in, in, in the movie. Um, I feel like I'm dancing around it. But, yeah, I was a little disappointed with some of the Spider-Man action. I also think part of it is, and we can get into this because I don't know how you feel, the Spider-Man as proxy for Iron Man is a huge part of the story. And I understandably, because he's in, been introduced as you know, Spider-Man's mentor in um, both Civil War and Homecoming, um, and obviously his, law, his death is a... I'm sorry. I thought you were stopping for a second. <laughs> no, I, here, 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 everybody, we're gonna we're gonna just take we're gonna this. I normally don't do this. This is breaking the fourth wall. Fourth wall of the podcast. <laughs> we're breaking the fifth wall. We're gonna stop real quick, and we're gonna close the window. And we're gonna die heat exhaustion, but we're gonna try to mute some of these fireworks. So just one second, everybody. All right, thank you guys. It's just stupid. It's Fourth of July, so enjoy those fireworks. I guess I don't know. It's just yeah. why I don't. My neighborhood just becomes like it becomes Fourth of July for like ten days straight, and, yeah, and just it's here. a very annoying anyway so you might still hear it but we have a window closed but you're also going out here sweating profusely so continue steve iron man by proxy yeah um it's it's a big part of the story and i understand why it's there but i also spider-man is his own character and i i kind of miss 
him being unique, it's it's all about the suit again. And I understand that they want to have Spider-Man in different suits, and I understand that they, you know, he developed certain things to defeat Mysterio. But he's in three different, co- four different costumes in this film. Yeah. Um, and they're still trying to hammer home that, you know, Iron Man style of hero in the sense that, you know, it's more about the suit than... And I shouldn't say that about Iron Man. Obviously, Iron Man, the man in the suit is what counts. But at the same time, I feel like Spider-Man's got these amazing powers that are kind of subdued because they're all... uh, Glitzed up is not the right word. They're all... Uh, overcome by the fact that he's now got a suit that also has Iron Man stuff attached to it. Yeah, I, so I feel like um, because Peter himself felt like it was being put upon him, especially as the bit earlier, whatever he was uh, talking to, like uh, people back in New York because there was a donation made for the displaced people because of the blip or whatever. And everyone's like asking him about, like, you know, what's going on with the Avengers? What's going on? Like, you know, and all this stuff. It's like, so he feels that, you know, because there is no Iron Man, uh, that. Somebody needs to step up and, and 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 defend the earth at a larger level, and he, you know, he he feels like it's being put upon him, but he never feels like it is him. You know, and, and I understand that. I understand that that's a part of the story. I'm talking about strictly as a character. I feel like Spider-Man has enough of his own interesting qualities, uh, superpowers. Mm-hmm. Sorry, qualities um, but, that you don't need to. Well, dress one of his them qualities up. is that he's super sticky. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you don't have to dress that up in also being in an Iron Man level type suit. Is what I'm saying. But if you notice though, like to so the counterpoint to that is that for most of the movie, he's not an Iron Man level type suit, other than uh, the item that you mentioned earlier, the glasses that are given to him, that are Stark's glasses that you saw from um, Infinity War and Endgame. You know, so that's where he has Edith, which was it? Um, even in death, I'm an, I'm the hero, or whatever. It was even called. dead, I'm still yeah, the hero. Yeah. Even dead, I'm the hero. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was like very Tony. Stark. It's, it's one of those things that like this film is so filled with the shadow of Stark, and it, there's yeah. so many great jokes that are still very much like what he would have said. Yeah, and I yeah. understand that. I'm not bagging on the fact that they're going in that direction. I'm just saying that I feel like there's not enough put on the fact that you know he's Spider-Man has his own superpowers that you can focus on as opposed to then also amplifying them by the suit. No, that, that's, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, so a lot of the marketing for the film shows his quote unquote stealth suit, which I feel like is like the biggest crock of shit in the sense that it's like, Oh, it's a knit mask and it's just basically like tactical wear. Yeah. It doesn't do anything because he tells shield like, I don't want to be recognized. So like, okay, we'll give you all black suit, but we'll also give you Spider-Man eyes. I don't know about that. Um, but so the suit actually does nothing other than to possibly mask his identity a little further, yeah. which I thought was funny because like the whole whole advertisement's like, oh, he has a stealth suit. It's like, well, what's that mean? It means he's itchy and it's a little, it fits a little tight in the old web shooter, if you know what I mean, is what yeah. he said. Which I mean, I'm okay with that because it also kind of still, whenever you whenever you take things away from Spider Man, then that gives him bigger opportunities to to overcome. And I think that's fine. Like he didn't have all the tech. He didn't have, like he had his web shooters, but he had his, like you know obviously his uh, his Peter Tangle also to help him. But like he didn't have. Uh, and I loved that. Don't give me. What was the the AI in the first movie? Is Karen? What was it his like his other suit? Was it called Karen? I don't think it was Karen, but no, I I can't remember because he so wanted we'll to give her a name. Karen. I forget. Yeah. It, I think it was yeah, but whatever. And then um, so it was like he still kind of had he still had to kind of you know count it on himself. So I like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I agree with you that, that because, and this is, 
some of the other films in the MCU, MCU have have kind of crumbled under their own weight trying to support other narrative threads that aren't necessarily important to their own film. This one had a lot of of like epilogues attached to it or like questions asked about the end of Endgame that, you know, you could have just went on ahead and been like, oh, the, the snap happened and now we're moving on. But they kind of let some of this like feel like thread through like the, the one guy who's in their class that's like, you know, older that suddenly became like a like a good looking dude that is interested in MJ is all it's all fun. Yeah. But it's like you had those threads dangling through it. You had um, the absence of Stark like you could have easily just moved on from it, but they, they kept carrying it forward. I for for a film that's being informed by what just came after it, it could have easily just kind of hand waved it away and be like, "Well, this is just our Spider Man story," but they faced it head on, and they still were able, pardon the pun, to weave in Peter's story through all of this, and I liked it. I do agree with you. I just didn't think about that while watching the film. Yeah, I mean, a better example might be say Daredevil. Like Daredevil is amazing because of the fact that he's lost his sight, but his other senses have been heightened. But then if they were like, oh, we, we put him in a super suit that now he can see as well, it would be like, okay, <laughs> he's not really kind of Daredevil anymore. So, and I realize it's a small thing to get hung up on, but I just, I wish that they would pull back a little bit because I also felt like Tony's suits in the last couple movies just became, he can create anything that he ever wants. Yeah, like there's never Because you go limitation. back to that first film where it's like, oh shit, he got dinged in the shoulder. That yeah. arm's gone. Like that right. <laughs> By, you know, Infinity War, like the, 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 the suit can do anything. And I, I wish they'd pull back, I guess, on that a little bit. It makes the, the superhero have a little bit more vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Although... You could argue that, yes, Peter Parker has tons of vulnerabilities, so um, I absolutely can see that argument as well. I just wish they'd pull back on it. Not, not the aspect of the shadow of Tony, because I loved all that stuff, just the actual suit. Like, if he'd have gone back and, like, at the end of the movie, been like, you know, I I create my own suit, but he doesn't do it with, tech, with Tony Stark stuff, let's say he does it you know i don't know i well did you like that he purposely chose not to bring the iron spider suit with him because i feel like that would have been an easy yeah yeah like it was like he's like i want to go on vacation and the only reason he had a suit at all is because aunt may decided to pack it, it up is. for him yeah. yeah uh so it's like they they took that one off the board pretty quickly so that because it was would have been too much of a thing you know yeah. like so i like that they they found a good narrative way of taking some of it away from him i so with with that being said i want to pivot to how did you feel about um, Mysterio's origin? Like in terms of like, uh, you know, I was not expecting that direct of a through line about why he had a chip on his shoulder and what he wanted to do. At first, when it, when he first started revealing it, um, and, and it's all revealed in one scene, I was a little like, uh, I feel like we're reaching a little bit, um, but I was okay with it afterwards. So, what we find out is is that the technology that Mysterio has was essentially created for Tony Stark. Um, and Tony Stark, in Mysterio's eyes, stole that tech and used it for his own in the, means. In, well, he renamed it to uh, Barf. Barf, yeah. <laughs> um, Which was a throwaway joke in mm, Civil War. Right. But the, like it just it you know whenever you like you kick the dots you're like oh yeah well, that makes a lot of sense. I wasn't real excited about the fact that like they had to also then like show Jake Gyllenhaal like see he's in the background of this scene now. See, I, I thought I, that I, was that, a little much. That was a little much. But then the next person they bring in 
is Makes this sense. other it's like this this other person working for him and, it, and then they show a, a scene of this guy getting yelled at by Obadiah Stane in the first Iron Man film you're like that's cool that they brought that guy back and they tied it all together where you have this whole boatload of people with an axe to grind with Tony Stark yeah which I will then say, how did you feel about the notion that we've now had two standalone Spider-Man films, right? Where the villains aren't created because of Spider-Man, they're created because of Tony Stark. Like, how do you, because the Vulture didn't exist until Stark came in and took the the, the scrapping rights away from him. Was it Stark that did that? I yeah. thought that was. No, it uh... was because the, the damage control, which was started by Stark. Okay, and, all right. and and so because like, the the vulture uh, uh, tombs was like I have the rights here. It's like nope, like uh, Stark has this, and basically he got pissed because he's like Stark can cause all this damage and then profit off of it. So he had a, he had a, you know he was okay, pissed off. Of, like, so this makes two movies in a row where I hadn't thought these about are that. the fallout from Stark's decisions, the sins of the father, in a sense. Which I'm okay with this. Like it all it all makes sense. Like you know, the word organic is probably not the best way to apply it. I didn't expect a Mysterio origin to be tied directly into what we've already seen. But when it was presented, I'm like, Oh, that actually threads the needle pretty well. And it explains some of the tech we're seeing because we've already seen it. Yeah. And I'll say, and I keep going back to the Raimi Spider-Man films. Um, and you'll notice I only acknowledge one and two. I don't really talk about three because three doesn't exist in my brain. Um, but why uh, don't you talk about the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies? <laughs> but I do remember by the time we got to Spider-Man three and before it had come out, um, the fact that Sandman was yet another villain who was created by a scientific accident. <laughs> yeah, I guess I I'm going like, to run into this pit of sand. Yeah. Oh, I'm sand now. <laughs> I got bit by radioactive sand. <laughs> but, you know, the Green Goblin in the first one is is a, you know, science experiment gone wrong and that he's trying to push the limit of what the formula can do. Uh, Dr. Octopus is created simply because of a science experiment. That well, gone he wanted wrong. to hold the power of the sun in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, Sandman, same thing. I mean, the only character that out of the Raimi films who wasn't created out of a science experiment gone wrong, unfortunately, was Venom. And well, to our was... knowledge, there could have been a science experiment gone wrong in space. Yeah, I guess that's fair too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So in in that respect, yeah, I can see that. Like they've now got two villains that were, you know, built specifically on um Spider Man or on Tony Stark's back. Um, and also, in, in, in a way, will. kind of Stark tech, even yeah. though uh, uh, Quentin Beck actually developed it, it was still through Stark's means, you know, so. But, you know, the interesting thing there, too, is is that, uh, you know, I I really like Tombs and the fact that they left him alive. I expected him to pop up at some point. Like, I expected there to be, and, and I, I don't know if uh, we've already called spoilers, so. I'm going to ask you this. Mysterio dead or alive at the end of the movie? I think he's still alive. Same here. Just because, like, well, and let's put it this way. The film plants enough seeds that you, to think, to, to accept what you see is real. Mm-hmm. And then to, to, like, whenever, um you know, Peter has the glasses back on, he asks Edith, like, you know, is, is am I, what am I seeing is real? And she says, all illusions have stopped doesn't account for like what that that only accounts for what Edith knows. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, Beck's character always kind of thought one step ahead, you know, even if he is, if he is dead, we never see him again. The idea that they put it out there where it's like, but he couldn't, he might not be. I think that was smart. So I think he's still out there. And I think that if, if the next movie they start like, 
bring in a couple more there this could be a really interesting way to kind of bring about the sinister six right like in a in a fun world building kind of way because you already have the vulture waiting in the wings no pun intended you have mysterio you know altering uh what people's perception are about spider-man he may or may not be dead and then you have um uh scorpion even though you, you haven't seen his transition the character that is a scorpion in prison with tombs you already have some seeds planted that Peter's life's going to get way worse. And I like that leaving that thread out there makes this way more interesting. So I, I yeah, I think he's alive. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm the same. And, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping that one of the stingers at the end of the movie, and actually I have to say both, both after credit scenes, there are two, there's one that's mid credit, one that's at the very end. Both are, are they're not throwaways they're not the you know the avengers sitting at a table eating there there's no shawarma yeah there's no there's, shawarma there's, there's no captain america giving a psa about expectations right it's they're both like here's where we're going oh i shouldn't say here's where we're going with phase four but like they open pretty big doors to where we're going to be going in the future yeah um on that same note i expected like maybe we cut to tombs in jail and somebody you know slips him something with Mysterio Tech or something along those lines mm-hmm. and we just see him disappear. Or, I don't know, I, I kind of thought that, particularly since I loved Michael Keaton so much in the first film, I thought that they were going to at least incorporate him in this film. But also, it's a packed movie, so I understand there's not a lot of places that you can put him in. No, and I, I think it's fine, especially whenever he was kind of the end of the first film where he knew that Parker was Spider-Man yeah. and he kept it to himself. Like, now that like the world knows... Like what's that put him, what position does that put him in? Because, you know, now it's like, well, everybody knows now, I guess, you know, my, my knowledge is no longer powerful. However, there's going to be a lot of people that want to go after this kid, you know? Like, so I think that's an interesting way to, to leave it. Um, well, you, I think you kind of stepped over a, a, a pretty big point of the mid credit scene is that, you know, Spider-Man is outed by Mysterio. Yes. Sorry. I, yeah, I just, um, I, I just assume because no, no. Not so there's only altered he, video. There's altered audio. And that's not even the biggest part of that scene. Like, like I so, say it's a bigger part, but I will say the way it's delivered is. Oh, is um, I know. I know I gave spoilers and people shouldn't. be. Here's another spoilers, too, just because. Do you know why they are called spoilers? Seriously, if you've not seen this movie yet, just. just stop listening because there's a great cameo regardless of the goddamn woman behind me being an idiot the moment this happened i started like doing the tiny clap and super excited uh jk simmons is j jonah jameson again yeah and that is like amazing to me (laughs) that made me so goddamn happy not from like a fanboy i mean yeah as a fanboy but it's like he was perfect as jameson in the spider-man the original trilogy and the fact that they put him like basically on an Infowars set, yeah, <laughs> like so great. That was pretty funny. And him calling Mysterio like the greatest hero that's ever lived. That feels so Jameson to always <laughs> hold up like the the, the shady heroes. Like, well, yeah. he was perfect, you know. And that's such. I was so happy. I was so happy to see him come back into the universe. Um, yeah, that was that was a a really really great moment, and then it's. It, it it's hit with a stinger of oh by the way Peter Parker is Spider Man yeah and then they show his photo as well <laughs> and uh, that's how that mid credit scene ends and you're like wow I can't believe because he's Cause the that's, only that's one a door that's not easily closed he's the only person in the MCU up to that point that actually had a secret identity that everybody else is pretty much known 
Like they all were either well, Thor is just Thor, Captain yeah. America. Well, I don't know that Captain America. No, Captain America didn't have a secret identity. No, um, like because he would just you knew who he was, and like everybody else has kind of been carrying themselves in Tony a way Stark, like the, yeah, yeah. All, all like everybody else has kind of had their life, and that's who they are, you know. But he's that's an interesting point I because hadn't like about that. you know Scott has um, what's his he never Scott Lang never once never denied being Ant Man. Like, yeah. like you know, he try to get autographs. No one wanted his autograph. Like, you know, but yeah, he was the only one. Like, Doctor Strange is literally Doctor Strange, you know, yeah. but, uh, or Mr. Strange, whatever <laughs> like, they called him. Um, so I also want to mention here, like, how did you feel about um, John Favreau's Happy Hogan? I feel like he had an, actually a pretty big arc in this film as well. Yeah. Because uh, in, in um, Homecoming, he was kind of dismissive of Parker and was kind of like, it was kind of a nuisance. And then once Parker saved the day of saving like all the tech or destroying it and keeping it away from the vulture, he begrudgingly was like, you're a pretty good kid. But then this yeah. time around, it's like it, the, the shadow of Tony looms large, but you could tell that like his character's kind of coming around and seeing, seeing like hints of like the reason he and Tony got along really well. He's seeing them in Peter. Well, I think also the fact that he recognizes that, you know, and he even says, you know, Tony did what he did because he was gambling on you, basically. Like, mm-hmm. he, so much of it was just because he felt responsible for what happened to you to bring you back. And I think he saw, he, he saw what Tony did to bring Peter back and he felt that that had value. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the fact that he's dating Aunt May didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's also that's a, a funny like it's a nice little like thing running through the whole entire film as well. And I have to say that it it's kind of surprising to me um, that and admittedly the guy's busy. Um, he's directing you know live action Disney films. He's spearheading the Mandalorian for Lucasfilm. Didn't, is, didn't he direct the Lion King that's coming out? Yeah, like, that's yeah, what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, he's got the Lion King coming out. He's spearheading the, the Mandalorian. Um, the fact that he probably doesn't get that much time to act anyway um, says something, but the fact that he's actually almost better in movies that didn't involve Tony Stark. <laughs> I love John Favreau. It's well, like, yeah. yeah. It's... yeah but yeah, like, this one, he actually got, he had more room to breathe. and like, But, the, but it's also... And it and just because you know you know who he is, and if you're a Marvel fan, you know he's the one that made sure that Iron Man, the first film, got handled yeah. well. And in a way, this is a torch pass in a lot of ways. But like, it's nice to see the director of the first film still play a prominent role as a character in like the twenty fourth film or whatever. Like, and like, I like that a great deal. And he has a lot of really great moments in the movie. There's a there's a scene <laughs> where he throws a shield. <laughs> that, that was that was probably my favorite part of the whole movie because it's like the the whole film like kind of like it it, it like whenever the, you think the joke's coming they would kind of subvert it yeah that one the way it played out was amazing where <laughs> you see him grab this shield trying to like throw it at this drone and it it is the worst throw ever and he, and he was like how does he do it, <laughs> like, it was, but it was so quick how it was like that's how all of us would do that like yeah. it was like throwing a garbage can lit at a robot like that was my favorite joke in the whole film was just that quick f- and credit to um oh i said his name earlier and uh the director john watts? john watts like there's some good comedic beats in this film it's a, it's funny but that was probably my favorite part my favorite joke of the whole film was i'm just whipping that shield and it just wouldn't like it's one thing to have it go nowhere it's another thing to be so wobbly and bad and have him like be like oh like <laughs> <laughs> 
So what did you what did you feel about or how did you feel I should say about MJ in this film? Because she's not really revealed until the very end. I mean, she's in the entire movie of Homecoming, but who she she is or represents isn't really I, revealed until the end of Homecoming. Yeah, I really um, liked her throughout, but then whenever the moment that she realized that she was right about about Peter, she <laughs> Unfortunately, you put her in the whole kind of freaked out type of mode. And I'm like, that's not the character I've seen through the first film and through the first half of this. Not that I need her to be like super schneid and like smart ass, mm-hmm. but she got a little too panicky. And I'm like, I don't like that. That's not this character. Like, and I mean, granted, like the reality sinking in and then the very, very end, whenever they had her being swung around New York and she freaked that's out. amazing. That was really funny. Because that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. And how she's like, I'd never want to do that again. <laughs> like, that was funny. But it's like, so she was really, really good throughout most of that. I just didn't feel like the bit where they're in, they're the, in the hotel room and... Um, uh, Pro- Prague, whatever. I think they're in Prague. That's whenever the, the big attack happens. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, I don't know. It's a little fumbly. And, but with Ned showing up, it was fine. I just, that felt like a weird read to me. But I think, uh, is, what's her name? Um, the actress. Zendaya. Zendaya. For the, she does really, really good with the character. I like her a great deal. It's a very different dynamic with what you think of the MJ Peter dynamic, mm-hmm. where, you know, she's pretty much the smarter of the two in a lot of ways. And then not that I'm saying MJ in the comics isn't, but she's more sarcastic and more just like taking the piss out of him, like at every turn. And like, like basically at one point where he's like, you look pretty. He's like, Oh, she's like, so I, therefore I have value. And he's like, Oh, that's not what I meant. And she's like, yeah, I know you're, you look pretty too. Like, like, <laughs> like that was pretty great. Um, the moment he's like, we'll go sit together in the opera. And then he just disappears. I'm like, there had like, she goes wandering out into the party, like out in the streets. Right. But it's like, why didn't that just make you mad? You know, I felt like that would have been more as opposed to, I mean, if she already thought he was Spider-Man, I get it, but it's like, that's still kind of a dick move to be like, like him tell Ned, Oh, tell her I'm sick. How many times you gonna get sick when you're near MJ and you have to go help people. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I really liked, um, the moment in the film where, uh, I believe it's when they, they're first in, uh, when they're first in Rome, and she learns that the word uh, it's like the reverse of uh, aloha. Yeah, that's it's like funny. her favorite word. It's, now. Like, it's like boos or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boom or Bo- boom. Yeah, and someone comes up trying to sell him a rose, and she's like boom. And the guy's like, Ugh. like that was pretty great. Yeah, no, they gave her oh, like I, the 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 two teachers. It was JB Smoove and the other guy. Like they like uh, <laughs> look how it's JB Smoove and the other. What's JB Smoove? Like he's from uh like um yes. oh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Yes, but the other guy is also a pretty big comedy actor. It's, uh, uh, um, what's his What's his name, Steve? Um, it's uh, Martin Starr. Martin Starr yeah, yeah, I saw it on IMDb. Like you're like, oh, he's pretty big. I don't know his name. Well, I know his name, yeah. but no, like I felt like you, they gave him enough weird things to say about like uh, like basically implying that his wife faked being like snapped out of existence oh, together from him. It was funny. Moment, yeah. Him setting up the camera and I'm just like, the camera's going to fall in the water. But how they let that all happen was really funny where, they, again, when it gets expectations yeah. and then in the end credits, like all that, you see the different photos taken. That was fun. And then him being like, you guys need help? Good. I'm not qualified to help you whatsoever. <laughs> but JB Smooth keep coming back to the whole, like it's all witches. It was like, it was started off be funny. Then it got annoying. Then it got really funny again. Yeah. So I, I like them as the chaperones of the trip. Yeah, and going back to you know the MJ thing, um, I like the fact that yes, she's still sort of the damsel in distress in some ways, but at the same time, 
if you one of the things that doesn't work quite as well in uh, I, you could even go back to Superman uh, with this where it's just like why why do these women keep getting put in these like horrible situations yeah. where it's like if you'd have just like stayed where you were you'd have been fine but it's always they have to be saved kind of thing and I didn't feel like that was really like she's she's not the thing that needs to be saved in this movie she does need to be saved but so does everybody else it's mm-hmm. not a I've got your girlfriend, Parker, or, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, because whenever uh, Beck sends all the drones after, that's where they get the whole bit with, like, Happy trying to whip a shield, and they're all but like, But it's not because yeah. she's the girlfriend. It's because she, she knows, knows. Who, what's going on. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. That's, and yeah. he's also after his best friend. You know, there's. it's not like it's given more credence than the other. And I, I prefer that to, you know, the Mary Jane who gets captured in the first one. Okay. She gets captured in the second one. Yeah. Okay. Third one, like really, MJ, I would just never leave the house. Yeah, don't even get in a cab. Like, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. No, um, no, you're right. I, I did appreciate that. Um, so there is a certain amount of uh, suspending disbelief for how the the um, Mysterio tech works. However, like once they show a couple different ways that it kind of works, you're like, okay. I get it. Like it, it is pretty fantastic, but then if you go back to the comics, he's done much bigger things with like like less explanation. Yeah. I like that this threat this was different than other films. Like it came down to a fight, right? But it was a little different than like how do we contain this force? It's more like how do we reveal that it's bullshit? Like I thought that was yeah. I thought that was great and you mentioned you you talked about it earlier whenever there was a couple of really trippy sequences where uh, Parker was put in the middle of this illusion like that was really, really great. Yeah. And had Into the Spider-Verse not existed, that'd probably be my favorite like 15 minutes of Spider-Man. Like it was this this is how you do the scarecrow and Batman. Yeah. But you know, but you don't. Like, I don't know why they haven't handled that, like where it's this constant like pulling the rug out from you over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I thought that sequence was amazing. And then how Beck was able to position him to get like annihilated by a bullet train. But here's the yeah. thing that you said about the suspension of disbelief. Like that's a part of Mysterio's whole MO. He's like, you're, you're right. we made things so crazy that it's believable. He's like, people are just willing to accept this stuff now because mm-hmm. of everything that's else happened. He's like, because he's got a point about like, you know, the backstory that they wrote for him. He's like, it's so stupid that people loved it. And, yeah. You know, um, there, there were some commentaries of, about how these films have been made where it's like, that's an Avengers level threat. That, yeah. that, that, and then the whole thing, too, about him, like there's a sequence where he's trying to go through his performance and like doing this motion, ca- not motion capture, but like. I, there's a lot there where it's like, I need double firepower. I need more emphasis. There's all this that is taking the piss out of the films that came before, but they work for a reason. And he's aware of how the spectacle sells. And I, I liked that they gave him a moment kind of working on his process for us to see that too. I like that. I also like that they didn't explain his suit. Like, like the whole notion of writing the story about this guy from other dimensions is fighting elementals. It's like, Yep, you don't have to explain why he's wearing a bubble on his head and he has eyeballs on his like you know collarbones. Right, that's just a suit. Like, I, yeah, not, I, that, I, not that we need the explanation in the comics either, but it's like <laughs> he's just Mysterio, and I love that they kept the bubble helmet. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's probably of Spider-Man's villains, with the exception of maybe Octavius in in the second Spider-Man. It's probably the closest to being a comic accurate version of one of his villains. Oh, uh, I, yes. I, Although even though three is awful, um, I would I, I loved the fact that they they gave Sandman that stupid 
green and <laughs> the stripey shirt, green striped shirt, and the brown pants. So, well, like, how'd maybe... you feel about like the fakey Hydro Man? How'd you feel about that in Venice? Like, that's almost Hydro Man right there. Yeah, yeah. which I thought maybe they were gonna go to. At but the Flash or... references it, where he's like, "Oh, yeah. we heard that the so and so." There was like, "You read this on the internet?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I'll be honest, it took me till the end of the film to realize that Flash saying, "Hey, Flash Mob," was him using his name. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's not a flash mob. You're just being like, in, for someone that like he had actually a pretty sad story at the end. Yeah. Like everything's all said that his parents aren't there, but he kept getting like he kept like getting punched in the dick and stuff for the entire like I don't. know. I do love the fact that Flash is this jerk, but at the same time, like he's got this unabashed love for Spider Man. <laughs> the moment where where um, Happy shows up and he's trying to get them on the plane, and because it's in the trailer too, but he's like, you know. I, I work with Spider-Man. Like, you, you work, work for, for Spider-Man? Spider-Man? No, yeah. I work with Spider-Man. I mean, the, the happy told him, I was like, if it wasn't for your videos, Spider-Man wouldn't know how to locate us. He's like, Spider-Man follows me. <laughs> <laughs> There's all that, yeah. Um, no, I, I, this movie's a lot of fun. I can't wait to go see it again uh, without distraction. That'd be wonderful. Um, I like that it's, just, it's a little different. Like, the resolution's different. And I like that uh, it's, it's actually kind of more of there is... Um, it, they talk about the spider sense, which they refer to in the entire film as the Peter Tingle, which is a great running joke in this film. And you saw evidence of it in Infinity War, um, and you get the idea that he's always kind of had this, but this was him actually kind of embracing himself. Yeah. And I like that this was something that, you know, like with him being able to be like, I'm able to sense that what is real and what is not real, and that gave him the power to fight Mysterio, because otherwise he's just a regular dude with like a bubble helmet and two drones walking around while he's wearing a motion capture suit. Like, how ballsy do you have to be as a film to be like, here's our villain, he's just wearing gray. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the whole running uh, gag, too, of him actually wearing the hero suit and getting the cape right, where it's like, there's going to be wrinkles. He's like, I might be being the queen. We got to get those wrinkles out. <laughs> I liked Jill Hall in this role. I oh, really yeah. Did. I enjoyed him a lot. I, I love the fact that... Uh he and I didn't really pick it up until he put the glasses on, but I'm like, oh, he's kind of. He just got, looks almost exactly like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's a good vi- visual cue to to play up on. Um, and then uh, he's both wonderful in the way that he interacts with Parker when he's being deceitful, but once you see like what a lecherous jerk he is, which I I think it might have been even on your Facebook after you'd posted about seeing the movie that somebody was like, I didn't enjoy him as much as I did say his performance in Nightcrawler, but Mysterio and that performance in Nightcrawler are two, they're way far away from each other. And and, I I agree with that. that. um, I think it's it's an unfair criticism to level it at at Hall, because if he did that also, you'd just be like, well, he's just doing what he did in Nightcrawler. It, it was good to see an engaged uh, Hall and to see him giving, caring about this and having fun. And uh, not, like he was leading into this the moment, like the facade fell away and he was having that, like that celebration and the, the bar with his tech. That was cool. That kind of gave you the whole like, okay, now we know what's going on because there's a brief moment when they first teased the, the that Mysterio was in this film that it's like, Maybe maybe they're going against type and actually making him a good guy right now. Yeah. Like you kind of wonder, right? I did wonder if we were going to have a Mandarin type pull away. Like, yeah. Um, and that and the Mandarin wasn't really the manner. I was like, oh, maybe the Mysterio is actually a good guy. Yeah, that would been would have been interesting. But the, the, I, I for all the Spider Man films being made that have been made. Um, I feel like it's it's easy to tread the same things of having Green Goblin. 
And like Doc Ock was a good choice at the time, but I feel like you could have easily stayed in the sandbox of a couple of known villains. But then this, these two films have taken deeper cuts with Vulture and Mysterio and, and flesh them out. And maybe he didn't get the same depth as Vulture and maybe not, maybe not the same thing, but I really, really, really liked Mysterio in this. And it was very, I'm very happy now that there's going to be a lot of people that don't know him as a villain that he's iconic looking. They did it justice. And now the, the average comic book movie person is going to know about Mysterio because Mm -hmm. otherwise I don't think that'd be someone that you would know about. Yeah. That's completely fair. Yeah. It was fun. So, um, yeah, I, there's so much here to dig into. I, the, 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 the humor worked for me, um, that we didn't even talk like Ned's Ned and, and Peter's relationship about how Ned wanted to be like a, a bachelor over in Europe and how that all like quickly falls away. The moment they're on the airplane, it was a lot of fun. That was fun. It wore a little thin for me though. I, <laughs> I, I do agree, but I like, I like it had the lifespan of like a mayfly. <laughs> like yeah. him and, him and, uh, I, well, I like that a lot, but I, I, the thing that I really liked about Homecoming 2 was I really liked Ned in that movie. I really, I loved the fact that he got to be the guy in the chair. You know, he's got that moment, you know, where he's uh, working on the computers at the the dance yeah. while everything's going on with Spider-Man. And he's like, I get to be the guy in the chair. And um, so I would have liked to have seen him do a little bit more in this movie just because I liked that character so much. But it's... It, it it works. It wore a little thin for me at times, but I I, I liked it. That, that's fair. I but I I was I was tickled by that. Like like a lot of the jokes work. The action, you're right. Like there, I wish there had been more Spider Man esque action, but it was still pleasing enough. That am I am I going to buy this movie day one once available on Blu Ray? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, like, absolutely. I, I, I know I'm a honk for Spider Man, but I. I never thought I would say this that I feel like Sony's actually being a good steward of the franchise now. Like, because we have Homecoming, we have Into the Spider-Verse, and now we have Far From Home. Three really great Spider-Man films. But to be fair, I I, I don't want to take credit away from Sony, but I I have to feel like some of that is, or a good portion of that, at least with Homecoming and this, is Marvel's guidance. Because honestly, it had, you know... The thing that, that stopped the Andrew Garfield thing, movies wasn't quality. It was that they didn't make money. Well, and the quality of so the been, second film wasn't that well, great. Well, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I didn't think, I didn't see, I didn't care that much for the first one, and I didn't bother to see the second one. My point being is that if those movies were still terrible and made a lot of money, he'd still be making those Spider Man movies. And that's not a slam to Andrew Garfield or anybody involved. It's just that, like, money talks. No, so, you're, you're right. I. I I hesitate to give Sony too much credit. Is all I'm saying. Well, okay. There, I'm ending on a downer. No, I, I, I will say that I feel like they know, they know Marvel's handling their franchise right. So have at it. But, but at the same time, I'll also give you this uh, as something to consider. Venom. Yeah. Not great. You're right. Uh, and Mobius is coming. It. I don't. I know. I. I did. Uh, Morbius. Not Mobius. 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 He does all Morbius. these weird um, Mobius strips. No, Morbius, the Jared Leto vampire, where he's not going to need makeup. It's going to be weird. Uh, so there's a lot of coming, right? But the Spider-Man game that came out for a PS4 last October is wholly made by Sony and developed by Sony, and it handles the. Peter Parker very, very well. And I'm sure maybe Disney kind of like checked in and was like, Hey, just do the character. Right. But Sony has the rights to this and it was just spectacular. No, like no Spider-Man pun intended. So I, maybe they got the right people in place finally to do right by all this. Venom is kind of half cooked. 
how do you do Venom without Spider-Man? I don't know, but they made a film and it was okay. But I just, I'm, I feel like Spider-Man's in a great place right now. Don't screw it up. Don't, don't fall on your keys with the third film. <laughs> don't do that. That's all well, I'm asking. You know, on that topic, you know, I wonder where Spider-Man will pop up next because the after credit scene, the actual ending of this film doesn't really have that much to do with Spider-Man, more as so building where we're going with the overall Marvel universe. Yeah, so it confused my wife because she's not yet watched Captain Marvel, and you oh. see the scroll show up, and I'm like, ah, you gotta watch Captain Marvel. Uh, and also, Ben Middleson's performance there felt like he had like a mouthful of cotton balls. That was weird. Yeah. I was expecting him to take out like fake teeth or something, be like, oh, let me get these Nick Fury teeth out of my face. Um, but then it's like hinting towards Nick Fury in space, are we getting sword? I hope we're getting sword. Possibly, but I also think that they're building towards whatever Captain America two will be, or Captain America. Sorry, Captain Marvel two. Will That's be. fine. I get yeah, whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about like the reveal that it was scrolls the entire time helping, but it doesn't take away from my joy because Sam Jackson's great in this film. They he he is so good at playing Nick Fury being a badass, but being interrupted and being angry about being interrupted. They yeah. did a lot of the, the subversion there and it was great seeing uh, Colby Smothers playing Marie Hill again, which you got to think for her. It's like, who would have thought you'd be being brought back like this far down the line? Cause you made like a brief appearance in, you know, in infinity war. And then you show up for, you have more than a couple of lines in this movie. Like, you were brought in for Avengers, and how long were you going to be sticking around? And she was in an episode of Agents of Shield too, if I remember right. Yeah. So, like, great, more more royalties, and she's fine. Like, and she has she gets a hero moment too in this film. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I think she's underused, but yeah, she does get some great moments in the movie. So, all right, so, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for our talk, our um, weird scatter shot. Um, talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. We like this movie a great deal. Uh, I hope that you guys watch the film and then listen to our talk and be like, you guys were scattershot. I'm like, you're right. Uh, but if you've not seen the film, I'm sorry we spoiled some of the greatest moments. I apologize. We warned you in advance. So please, um, if you've not seen this film, go see it. If you've already seen it, go see it again. Uh, make sure to yell at the woman directly to your right and just tell her to shut the hell up and then she'll look away from you and then you'll just, that's the life that you live. <laughs> like, Yep. Yeah, and so. uh, you know the other thing that I wanted to say real quick is is that uh, if I came off as like not liking the film with some of my comments, that's not it at all. I like the film uh, a great deal, and I actually think that one of the things that it lands perfectly is is that it's it's not only a suitable epilogue to what we got in Endgame, but it also builds on where we're going to go in the future. Yeah, and it, it does both of those things wonderfully. So I'd highly recommend it. I hope to see it at least another uh, time in the theater before. Uh, and it's only been out two days. I'm talking about it like <laughs> it's going to be leaving theaters tomorrow. But I mean, I'm hoping that I'll catch it at least one more time in the theater. Um, but uh, uh, my theatrical runs, uh, you know, if I catch a movie more than twice in the theater, I'm lucky. So. Yeah. All right, so let's go do a far talk about Spider-Man. There'll be more Spider-Man talk later. I mean, this, that's what we do here. We alternate between Spider-Man, Star Wars, and Batman. Let's just spin the wheel, and we'll get there. And I think I referenced all three in here. Yeah, right? So perfect. All right, take a drink. So, all right, that's going to do it for that talk. Uh, before we get on to our game, uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Invasion of the Podcast. You can find us at invasionofthepodcast.com, where I'll be writing my blog for American Ninja as we go through a year of canon, so you get to see all those weird gifts that Steve got to watch, and you didn't yet. So I will have those up soon. And then you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, wherever you find your podcasts, please uh, rate and review us. That'd be great. We greatly appreciate it. So, and Steve, how can people find you additionally? 
Uh, you can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. Uh, find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher and on Twitter under the Saturday Slasher. Uh, you can also, if you want to buy some of those wares, you couldn't find me at the convention or couldn't make the convention, uh, head to the Art of the Slash on Etsy. Uh, comics are on sale there and some of the other stuff that we sell, like prints and stickers and all that fun stuff. And you have the first issue Science Slasher and the other book that you just put together. Yeah, available. Beyond Sunsets, a horror anthology. Um, it's three short stories and then there's a, a section of just uh, different horror pinups in the back of the book. And there's a weird Sudoku puzzle in there, and that's not true. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Buy something. Su- support, uh, you know, like I kept making the horrible joke during the weekend, like farm to table uh, indie comics. But, yeah, people are like, ha, 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 we're not buying anything. I'm like, I know it was a bad joke. But, yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's just get to our game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. I wish it was an illusion how much I'm sweating right now, but it, it's. I feel like I've been attacked by the the elemental, the hydroman elemental. The sweaty man has attacked uh, us. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway, our game is about good bad movies, right? It's about reviews of good. That's bad correct. Movies, yes. um, this was kind of spurned by the fact that uh, you know I was kind of. I wondered if maybe I was too hard on King Solomon's Minds, as that has suddenly become the barometer in which I use everything uh, for my reviews now. But um, I, I thought about it, and I was like, well, what are some, some films that are you know considered to be beloved by almost everybody that somehow got, bad re- got a bad review? That somehow you're like... For instance, if somebody said, I don't like um, you know Ghostbusters, I'd be like, why? And I'm not talking about the 2016. <laughs> I'm talking about the original Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I actually, again, really like the 2016 Ghostbusters. But I mean, it's a movie that I can't imagine somebody. It's like somebody saying, I don't really like Caddyshack. You're like, well, it's What's hilarious. Wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what I've done here is I've gone back and done a little research and picked pieces from reviews of films. And I'm going to give Paul three choices to tell me which bad review is this movie for? Or okay. is this. What bad? What good movie is this bad review for? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the first one up here, uh, the review. This is just a snippet again. It's not the entire review. Um, says it's a Frankenstein monster stitched together from leftover parts. It. <clears throat> excuse me. It moves and fits and starts, but has no mind of its own. Looking very expensive, but spiritually desperate. The sequel has the air of a very long, very elaborate review sketch. And this is written by Vincent Canby of The New Yorker. So uh, I think the short of it here is what he's saying is is that it feels like it's Frankenstein together and not an actual complete film. Okay. Um, The choices that you have are Godfather 2, The Empire Strikes Back, or Gremlins 2. Which of these films do you think that 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 review is describing uh, well this person kind of is coming out swinging but in like a high and mighty kind of way i'm yeah. gonna say godfather 2 yeah that's correct okay. yeah which i don't know anybody who like <laughs> anytime somebody mentions the godfather they're like that's the greatest movie ever and then you go well what about godfather 2 oh my god i forgot about godfather 2 that's actually better like it always seems to be like the movie that people go to here, here, um, here's my admission i've still have not seen the second godfather film i watched the first one like two years ago for the first time, and I liked it a great deal. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's one of those things where I'm like, how could somebody have not liked that movie? But whatever. 
Um, the next one here, um, and this is a shorter quote, thankfully. Um, <laughs> it's an assemblage of spare parts. It has no emotional grip. It's an epic without a dream. Okay, and that's by Pauline Kael of The New Yorker. Uh, which movie is she talking about? Is she talking about Star Wars, The Avengers, or The Matrix? Star Wars. Yeah, that's correct. I, I Again, I, I can't imagine describing Star Wars as an epic without a dream. Um, I feel like that's actually... The film is a epic with a very <laughs> big dream uh, about hope, but... We'll we'll let that one go. It's well, a fairy tale. Yeah, because I feel like the other two, by the time that they would have come out, the reviewers probably would have been in a different position to talk about them. Well, the Matrix maybe because that 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 one grew. Like I remember that was a film that people were kind of interested in, but like the the font and the coloring were like I don't know Keanu Reeves. It's just what is it computers? I don't know. But then the moment it came out, everyone's like, Oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah. So maybe the initial reviews on that were a little cold, but. I feel like with the Avengers, like you probably couldn't come out and say that without people just like firebombing you. So right. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one here I've got uh, is uh, it's a film that tries to be too many things at once: funny but not campy, sad and scary, a horror story, and a human tragedy. And this is written by Karen James, New York Times. Essentially, she's saying that the film is a horror movie that tries to do too many things and doesn't do any of them well. This is the burning. Uh, no, um, oh. but uh, your your choices are uh, Halloween, and obviously that's the original Halloween, uh, Aliens, or The Fly. The Fly. Yeah. I'm, why am I, I'm, why am I sniffing this out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, I can't imagine like... Actually, all the things that she mentions, it does perfectly, which I'm like, what are you talking about? Did she about? see that like Mel Brooks was a producer and was like, nah, it's trying too hard. Like, what? Okay. <laughs> um, that movie is utterly charming uh, with its performances. Uh, it's equally horrifying and grotesque with... I, I would argue in a lot of ways that The Fly is one... Like the, the 86... Is, it's 86. Yeah. The Fly is like one of the... Like it's perfect yeah and like almost every single way I yeah i there's no way that i could argue with that yeah um actually one of my special uh special one of my favorite what special are, features, what are my secret special <laughs> no one of my favorite special features is they go through uh the script uh i think it's on it's on the fly dvd um but they go through uh, how the script was written and how uh, Goldblum performs some of the dialogue. And it's amazing to see like how he interpreted it when you're actually seeing the words on the screen as it's mm. going and uh, how he punctuates things and, and gave kind of life to the words. And um, again, Jeff Goldblum, amazing actor. Alrighty, also so. part fly. You don't know that. That's how, <laughs> That's how he got it. Yeah. Uh, this next one here uh, says, the picture is offering you a pact. You agree to be a kid again. In return, the the film will give you old time movie thrills. Expect in there. Uh, I'm gonna start again. The picture <laughs> is offering you a pact. You agree to be a kid again. In return, the film will give you old time movie thrills expressed in slick modern cinematic turns. No thanks. Uh, that's by Stanley Kaufman of The New Yorker. Uh, so what movie did this person not okay. want to be transformed into a kid again by watching? Was it Superman? Was it Raiders of the Lost Ark, or was it Back to the Future? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah. What, how? Why am I? I just this is weird. <laughs> 
No thanks. I just don't understand, like, who's the cranky old man who's like, I don't want to be a kid again. Uh, I want a solemn and angry movie. Where's my yeah. Batman versus Superman? Yeah. Schindler's List is a movie for grown-ups. That's what I want to watch. Um, Sophie made a choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I can't imagine somebody having a negative review of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just so ridiculous. Um, all right, so next one here. Uh, jerky motion, blurred action uh, beats, a clever conceit ruined by sloppy animation. All right, so they're talking about an animated film. And okay. this, this gentleman's Roger Moore. Uh, congrats on the name. Uh, oh, so James Bond reviewed this film. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so which animated film is he talking about? The Incredibles, Wreck-It Ralph, or Into the Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, that is correct. I just, something about like... they Blurred they, action beats. and Well, the jerky motion. It's oh, like yeah. that th- they purposely drop frames. I, you know, we, you and I, we were on Talk Without Rhythm talking about <laughs> it in the Spider-Verse. And I know that episode's like, I don't know. A, a Three year, hours it's long like, It's, a, it's yeah. like a year long and like I just blather on. But uh, blathering blatherskite, that's what I do the entire time. But like if someone missed the point that that was a stylistic choice then, and they're a professional critic... I'm sorry. You maybe didn't like the film, but if you didn't realize that was on purpose to create an aesthetic to fill panels like it was a comic book, then I why are you getting a paycheck? You know, that's <laughs> you you could say that it wasn't for you and that you didn't like it. You're welcome to that, but to just to say that that's like a negative to that film, I don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are a lot of things to love about that film and the visuals are certainly a big piece of that as well. And that there's like eight Spider-Mans. Yes. You know. More Spider-Mans than you can handle. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Far From Home only had one Spider-Man, and it was still pretty good, but it didn't have like all the Spider-Mans like <laughs> the Spider-Verse had. <laughs> all right, so this next one here is about a remake. It's a pointless remake of the original by an usually overrated director. Okay. Okay. Uh, are they talking about The Thing, Dawn of the Dead, or Cape Fear? I want to say The Thing. But it's probably not right. I'm gonna say Dawn of the Dead. No, you were right. It is ah, the thing. Yeah, I was I was trying to get perfect all the way through. But okay. I love how somebody's like the overrated director. Yeah, John Carpenter's overrated. Go to hell. Like, just, I mean, I want to say like you say he's overrated at that point. Give him time. Like, I love John Carpenter. There, he had some some misses a little later, but at that point, he was only getting stronger as he went along. Yeah, I just I I can't imagine calling John Carpenter overrated in 1981. No, no. Um, And I still wouldn't call him overrated now. Yeah, that's Um, fair, yes. So this next one here, what should have been a joyful romp turns into a stale... um, Oh, God, I can't read my writing, sorry. Um, I'm going to start over. What should have been a joyful romp turns into a stale, sever-edged celebration of the new conformance... New conformist, an affluent technology-addled cherub with a rebel- without a rebellious whim in his brain. So basically, they're saying that the main character is stale and overserved, and basically uh, is is a con- is is a celebration of the the new nonconformist. Okay, so, this, it's Home Alone. Uh, it's Patrick Goldstein is the oh. author of that. Um, it's uh, is it. A, Ferris Bueller, B, Weird Science, or C, Back to School? It's Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I'm, I'm, I marvel by anybody who could watch that movie and just not like it, but whatever. 
Um, to each their own. Uh, next one here. Uh, this one is an economic necessity of securing a PG rating for what is essentially a horror film has been allowed to intervene in the storytelling so that the tone is constantly disrupted by an incongruous reassurance. So basically they're saying that tone-wise it's it's unbalanced. Okay. And this is by Adam Mars-Jones of the Independent UK. Uh, is the film Happy Death Day? Is it Jurassic Park? Or is it Jaws? It's Jaws. It's uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, I, again, I didn't realize Jurassic Park was PG. I thought it was PG-13. Yeah, well, th- that was from the UK, so okay. it might have been how they're rating. Because I was going to say, of the, of the three, I knew um, Jaws was PG. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess, I, I yeah, Happy Death Day is PG-13 as well. So um, Next up, uh, we only got two more to go. Okay. All righty. Uh, I was doing okay there for a minute, then I've fallen off the wagon. So, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Um, I'm I I am trying to read my scribbly handwriting, which is why you, I should not do games. You should always you should just always do the games. No, it's, to be fair, two things. One, even at a distance, which I can't see your words exactly, your handwriting is way better than mine ever is. And and two, uh, you see me type notes. I I like I actually had to correct science slasher because it was science slasher. Like so, <laughs> you know, like everybody check out the say slacker. Like what? What's that even mean? All righty. So this next one here, the review said it's full of splendors with a fine sense of scale, but its narrative thrust seems relatively performa. Uh, and I was bored by the action scenes. Okay. And that was written by John Rosenberg uh, of the Chicago Reader. Uh, is he talking about A, The Matrix, B, Lord of the Rings, or C, Braveheart? <laughs> Lord of the Rings. He was talking about Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Like, I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but even I can give some credit to the action scenes in those movies. For yeah, sakes. I fell asleep watching the first one. I didn't, I didn't even see the first one. The uh, Fellowship of the Ring, I didn't even see in the theater. I remember watching it at a friend's house on their couch. I fell asleep watching it. <laughs> um, even, even as much as I'm kind of like, eh, about that series, the Battle of Helm's Deep and the second film's amazing. And then the big throwdown, Return of the King's amazing. So I know he's only talking about the first one, but yeah. what's your problem? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, we're we're at the end here. We're in the end game now. Only one left to go. Um, this uh, review here says, if only the director had grasped the implications of his tale. Damn it. I'm, I'm not giving correct emphasis. I apologize. If only the director had grasped the implications of his tale m- more fully and enthusiastically, this might have been a classic piece of cornball sci-fi poetry. But as it stands, the tepid acting in one set claustrophobia tale uh, is a... <sighs> is a... Takes a... Oh, Jesus... See, again, sorry, I suck. Um, If only the director had grasped the implications of his tale more fully and enthusiastically, this might have been a classic piece of cornball sci-fi poetry. But as it stands, the tepid acting and one-set claustrophobia takes a heavy toll. All right, so um, of the three movies that he's talking about, is it A, or uh, the one movie he's talking about, is it A, The Abyss, B, Star Trek II, or C, Mars Attacks? The Abyss. He's actually talking about Star Trek 2. One set. Like, <laughs> okay. I don't understand it. Whatever. Okay. 
Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Wrath of Khan's actually it's a, it means a, maybe it's a smidge short, but it's a great film. It's it's easily the best Star Trek film, and it's I don't know I've I've seen it in the last couple of years I think twice on the big screen in the last two years, and it's still a charmer on the big screen. It's it's my favorite of the original Trek outside of Undiscovered Country. Undiscovered Country is pretty good too, but same Con, director. Con, it's Nicholas oh, Meyer for both. Yeah, films. so there you go. So. All right, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and evidently I um, I um, have my head up my ass like a lot of these reviewers. I can sniff all that out, which and I don't want to be sniff anything out out of anybody's ass. So, and what we learned too. tonight, I can't read. Yeah, well, I can't I can't talk. So, we're a good pairing. So next week we've talked about this already. We're talking about Stranger Things season three. It'll be dropping on Netflix officially as of July fourth. So it's actually less than an hour away right now from us as we record this. So we'll get into uh, to the Starcourt Mall and back into the Upside Down. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you guys join us. Hope you guys will uh, watch that, and so that way you can enjoy our conversation because I'm sure it will be. Uh, a lot to get into, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this episode talking about, uh, you know, breaking in, eating hamburgers of places and I don't know, some Spider-Mans and then some reviews of films. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I hope we'll see you next week for Stranger Things 3. I'm going to be leaving here to go buy a Whopper and turn it upside down. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. You have a good week and uh, may all your Whoppers be upside down. <laughs>